I wonder if Lee is off driving a Ferrari Testarossa, or if he's shagging Carmen Electra. God damn it, I really need him here. Well, <sighs> fuck. Guess I need to ring the bat phone. Hello, Laura. I need your help again. The Big Beat Manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is outrageous. This is contagious. JLB credit. Fuck off, please. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the LD Brothers podcast. I'm Laura, and I was considering doing that thing that that MP and Michael Hutchins did. And my name's Sean, and I was about to twat a geezer, but it turned out he was Polish. Did I say it right that time? You did, you did. You pronounced twat perfectly correctly. All right, fantastic. You know, it's weird because that's one of those words over here you don't hear very often. No, no, I think that is a very English, not even swear word, like minor cuss. It's like cunt. Like you hear you hear people call each other cunts in, in British shows, but in last year in American Big Brother, one of the male players called one of the female players a cunt and it turned into this huge, like huge, huge thing where oh, really? it was over. It's not yes. like mainstreaming. You're not gonna you're not gonna hear it on the six o'clock news here, but it's not. It's like a big deal, but you would hear it on post watershed stuff. I would say for the Big Brother episode last year, the previews were Paul says unspeakable word. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it became newsworthy. Yeah, 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 building up to an edited out cunt on. <laughs> am I pronouncing that word right? You are. You are. That is okay. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, today, Laura and I are going to be talking about The Man Show. The Man Show originally aired on 10 December 2004. Before we really get into the episode, I do want to give a shout out to Lee. I hope you're feeling better, buddy. And probably Lee will be back with us next week. Hey, Lee. I also, Laura, found some deleted scenes on YouTube that I sent over to you. So I'm excited that we're going to get to incorporate deleted scenes for the first time on El Dude Brothers because I felt like that the deleted scenes both added a lot to the episode. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to talking about those. Anything interesting happened in the last week since we talked? No, it's still really hot here. Like, it's got hot again and it was disgusting in the week, but I think it's meant to cool down. So hopefully, because we're all melting here in London. That's a real bummer to hear. It is. Did you have a good 4th of July? Oh, yes. Had a fantastic 4th of July. Uh, four, did you find my uncle's 4th of July celebration in Birchington? I didn't. I didn't. No, no. There was. There were no, uh, no obviously American flags on the horizon. So... <laughs> <laughs> My sister and her family basically are building a house that my folks are going to live in. So like three quarters of the house is going to be my sister and her, and her families. And then like a quarter of the house is going to be my mom and dad's. And so my mom and dad are going to have like their own kitchen, their own garage, you know, their own, like basically it's their own smaller house inside of a much bigger house. Oh, cool. There's absolutely no chance of that happening in London. I tell you that sort of land would cost about, three million pounds to do that oh <laughs> yeah no way but that, that sounds nice if you've got the space for it it sounds lovely they've got a couple acres 20 minutes south of me in kansas tax laws in in america especially tax laws in kansas for our british listeners kansas is a deeply republican state and the republican mantra over here in republican is our right-wing party um I knew that, oh. but not everyone oh, may okay. have done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm not trying to, like, mansplain to you or anything. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. I mean, I was about to jump in there with, uh, oh, I know about Kansas. 
isn't that where Dorothy lived? So there you go. You do need to explain this to me in words of one syllable, I think. Yeah. To answer your question, Dorothy did live in Kansas. That's the big thing that we're known for is the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. We have a Wizard of Oz theme park here. I haven't been been to it, but... Oh, sounds good. I would go to that. I loved the Wizard of Oz when I was a little girl. When you live in Kansas, you go to develop a certain loathing for the Wizard of Oz because yeah, of course. everybody's association with Kansas is the Wizard of Oz, so you hear a lot of Wizard of Oz jokes. So it yeah, just kind that of gets, gets old quick. Like, mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, you know, British people are like, oh... Our teeth are bad. Ha 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 yeah. ha. We or, love the know. queen. Ho ho ho. There's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A- anyways, the laws in Kansas, the property tax on a farm is substantially lower than the property taxes on an actual just domicile. Right. So my sister, who is smart as fuck, went out and found what the exact minimum is to be considered a farm. So she's got like six chickens. Yeah, is that what you're going to tell me? Yeah, yeah. She's going to have like two cows and like six chickens or something like that. And that's like the exact, like to own a farm, and I didn't know this, you don't actually have to have crops. Like they're not going to have any sort of crops. There's no corn or or fucking whatever on their property. It's just going to be like these two cows. And these two cows are going to save them so much money in taxes. It's well, that's insane. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's very clever. Well done to your sister. Yeah. But they, anyways, so they have they have quite a bit of land here in Kansas. In the area that they live in, it's legal to shoot fireworks off because it's not legal in every city to shoot right, fireworks. Okay. So we, we went down to their property for the 4th of July and just watching the little cousins um, or my little nieces uh getting because it rained a lot on um tuesday morning it was raining like pretty much all tuesday so their their land that's still being built on was really 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 muddy how old are your girls uh they are 10 months and three my little girl was three on wednesday oh okay so my oldest niece is four and her sister is like a year and a half right yeah so similar similar so watching like my oldest niece she was like running around in this big pile of mud, but she wasn't like falling in it. Cause she had like her little mud boots on, but then she just tripped Aww. and fell into the mud and just got covered in mud. And then once she got covered in mud, it just be all the kids that were there just started like jumping in these piles of mud. So all the kids just got super muddy and it was so funny to watch them just like chucking handfuls of mud at each other. Aww. That is really cool, but that is not what the 4th of July looks like in the movies. So you've shattered all my illusions now. <laughs> what, what does the 4th of July look like in movies? Just uh, getting drunk, eating hot dogs and shooting Yeah, fireworks? I'm thinking of like My Girl, where they all sit in their backyard and there's fireworks and they eat hot dogs and yeah, and are very patriotic. That's what I've got in my head. It's like, yeah, the My Girl 4th of July scene, basically. All the kids were wearing Fourth of July, or were wearing American flag outfits. My niece was wearing an American flag dress with an American flag headband. Um, Sounds subtle. Sounds subtle and tasteful, which is what we all think about Americans. So that fits in perfectly. <laughs> my brother-in-law was wearing a shirt that said, "I'm not drunk. I'm just American." <laughs> yep, yep. That is exactly how I imagine all Americans, basically. So that has that's put some of my illusions back together so thank you i love the fourth of july just because it's just so fucking crazy see we don't really have anything like that here because we have to as it's probably different if you're scottish or welsh but 
being English, we're sort of taught to be a tiny bit ashamed of it. So we don't really do anything like that. And we just kind of, you know, unless you're a full-on racist, you uh, Daryl style and, you know, you've got a Union Jack somewhere about your person at all times. But otherwise, we kind of just hold it together and and don't celebrate being English, really. So that's nice. That's nice that you have an opportunity to celebrate being American. Uh, and that's that's one thing that I think is interesting because over here, the things that are associated with America the American flag, you know, the bald eagle, the military, all of that stuff is is so sacred over here. And then, but you see in other countries where, you know, the flag is not necessarily, you know, you wouldn't see somebody, like you said, you wouldn't see somebody decked out in the Union Jack from head to toe. No, I mean, like the Welsh and the Scottish, you definitely would see them from head to toe in their in their flags. But the, the St. George's Cross was become associated with uh, let's say a more skin-headed type of person than the most of us are so it's not it's not really something that we we do as Englishmen generally so like the big cricket like the big cricket matches where it's like UK or like England versus France or something like yeah. that would would like the English audience would they be wearing like the Union Jack or the Union Jack colours or uh, they might wear the colours and like at Wimbledon for the tennis you know you see people in like Union Jack hats and stuff but like I say that the cross of St George's really has been co-opted by you know right the far right and it's not really something you generally see at those sort of things so no not really the Union Jack may be but you know, that's only when we're sort of being encouraged to be a united kingdom rather than just the English. I looked up the cross of St. George just now because I didn't know what it looked like. So there's a flag for England and a flag for the United Kingdom? I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's the flag of Scotland, which I think is called the, I might be wrong here, but there's a St. Andrew's flag, which is like a blue background with a white cross. And then the Welsh have got a dragon on a green background. And the... Uh, and the the English have got this St George's Cross, and them all together, the mashup is Union Jack. I so had no wow. There you go. Yeah, put all the flags together, and you get the Union Jack, and that's like our official flag. Ah, oh, the things you learn on the El Dude Brothers <laughs> podcast. Exactly, here to educate. That's uh... <laughs> oh, that's 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 fucking awesome. I had no I had no idea. And my husband's a geography teacher, so. I, I can talk for hours about flags because I've heard so much about flags over the years. I wouldn't know so much if I wasn't married to a geography teacher. <laughs> <laughs> As his specialist subject in pub quizzes. There you go. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's yeah. uh, that's good information to yeah. that's good information to know. Yeah. All right. Well, this episode, like I said, called the Man Show. This episode, I don't know how you, I don't know how you feel about this episode, but I feel like this is probably the weakest of the season two episodes. Yeah, it's not it's not strong, and I'd sort of forgotten about it as well when I thought about the season two, which I think of as being a very strong series and a series that I really enjoyed. I'd completely forgotten about the really even what happened in this. I remembered the bungee jump, and I remembered like that, but I didn't really remember the other stuff in it. And I'd even forgotten that Jeremy and Jeff were ever friends. And so when I thought about what happens later on in later series, that's never mentioned again, is it? That they were mates for one one episode. The only thing that I ever remembered about this episode is the poker scene. Because 
I'm hot like Pol Pot became a kind of little joke with me. Yeah, I, we actually that is uh, that is a peep showism that we use in our house a lot. But I'd forgotten it came from this episode. I knew it was Jeremy that says it, but I'd completely forgotten how it came about. So I say it quite often, but it had gone. It had completely gone from my memory that it was from this one. Also, in my home poker game that we used to have, Red Sky at Night, Shepherd's Shepherd's Delight, that was our, like, if we had a a flush of hearts or flush of diamonds, that's how we would lay it down. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. All right, anyways, we're we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So, this episode kind of starts out at JLB, and again, so just to remind me, where did we leave off with Mark and Sophie in University Challenge? So, uh, at the end of the episode, Mark had called Sophie to ostensibly to tell her that I think like the paper and the photocopier needed replacing or something like that. But actually, it was to let her know that he was about to get off with April in her dorm room. And Sophie didn't answer the phone, uh, and then she ran oh, back, right. didn't she? Yeah. So that was the end. Yeah, of that and then episode. she called. Yeah, then she yeah. called him back, and and we had that awkward scene where he's like, "Oh right, yeah, I just thought you would care." Yeah, so, that's right. Uh, so, knowing where we left off, where we, where we left Sophie and Mark, or left off with Sophie and Mark, I feel like that they're super friendly in this scene where really they shouldn't be. I agree with you, but I'm, I'm starting to wonder if that's because Mark's a bit of a sociopath. Watching this through again, I thought, oh my God, is Mark completely not on the same planet as everyone else? Is he just being friendly to Sophie, and actually any normal person wouldn't be. That is true. He is. He does seem a little sociopathic in this episode. You're, you're definitely right. Yeah. I think not... that's part of his anxiety issues in general. Mm. Yeah, I agree. He's just going to go into something head first, and he doesn't really pick up social cues. Yeah, I, th- I agree with you. And I think when you think about it, we don't get loads from Sophie kind of ever. And I think that that kind of proves that maybe maybe Sophie, if left to her own devices, wouldn't be as friendly as Mark's being. But, you know, if someone's being really friendly to you, you almost have no choice but to be friendly back unless you're going to be rude. And I think that that might be the case at the start of this episode when Mark's all up in her face. And I'm not sure she necessarily wants to talk to him, really. But what can you do? Yeah, because uh, they were supposed to have a meeting. And the meeting was cancelled because Ron Stamp from Shapiro Finance had gone hypoglycemic again. Yeah. Sophie actually sounds really concerned for, for Ron in this scene. And then Mark is just like, oh, yeah, terrible. Uh, we should go over to meeting room B and see if <laughs> marketing's left us any biscuits. Yeah, I mean, the whole hypoglycemic thing, like, do you think that's meant to be a joke? I mean, is that, I know it's later mentioned that he's diabetic or diabetes is involved, but... The first time I heard that, I did think, oh, he's gone hypoglycemic. Like, oh, he's had a bit of a, like, he just needs a, he needs to have a biscuit or something. Do you know what I mean? To kind of get his blood sugars up. It didn't sound like a real thing to me. It did make me laugh. I don't think that, that the hypoglycemic thing is supposed to be a joke, but I think that he's just trying to invite her out for, for a cookie. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he is just trying to find a way in to talk to her. I like how she kind of, she kind of gently is like, oh, well, you know. Jeff's kind of asked me not to spend so much time with you. He's just old-fashioned like that. And Mark, of course, is old-fashioned. What's next? He puts you in a chastity belt and makes you drive around in a 
in an old-fashioned car. That's great. I like that he can't think of any other old-fashioned things. So he comes up with drive around in an old-fashioned car. Um, but you're right. I think Sophie's trying to be sort of gently let him down here that she doesn't really want to hang out with him yeah because then then she kind of is a little more firm and says that she wants to really give things a go with jeff and mm. i'm with jeff now um i like mark's i'm staring into the abyss i don't like it into the abyss <laughs> and of course she drops the bomb doesn't she that he's going to be moving into her flat which seems like quite a, a big step considering like they certainly they weren't together properly a couple of episodes ago, were they? No. One thing about this show is it's really hard to tell how much time has passed. Yeah, exactly. Episodes. Sort of six months could have passed, couldn't they? We wouldn't know. Yeah, which is one of the things that I really enjoy about Peep Show is that it never. I, I feel like that there's obviously some things that rooted in a different time period, like the fact the like the cell phones they used, mm. all old as hell. But for the most part inside the actual episodes it's really hard to determine you know what year it is and yeah and, no, that's and some true. of these episodes it could just be you know any early early 2000s year yeah no, that's true another thing that happens here in the scene is that sophie's phone rings and it's a call from the switchboard operator asking for mark how the fuck did the switchboard operator know that mark was at sophie's desk that's true that is a bit of a loophole unless they kind of if they work in a little so, like in the, some offices there's sort of little departments and if they all kind of work in the same department maybe a switchboard call might just go through to whoever first answers the phone maybe that i only think that because that's what happened in my mom's office so if i ring for my mom sometimes it's just whoever gets to the phone fastest oh okay i'll yeah. buy that yeah i'll buy that Jeremy, it's Jeremy on the phone, and he wants to know what time Mark is getting home. And Mark's just like, "Oh, six six thirty, like normal." It looks like Jeremy is watching Popeye. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I thought that. <laughs> He's bored, and he he tells Mark that he needs a friend, doesn't he? At this point. Yeah, Nancy's in America, and Super Hands is back on the rig. Yeah, I was going to say I don't understand what on the rig means. Is it? It's a euphemism for something, clearly. I googled it and found on urban dictionary that on the rig refers to like needles used to shoot heroin uh, so, okay that makes that makes sense yeah i don't know if super hands is doing heroin i feel like that heroin is a pretty hard drug yeah that's maybe a step too far but i don't know super hands is i wouldn't put anything past him i don't think i wouldn't put anything past him either but we never see him do heroin. We never hear him talk about heroin. That's true. We don't, do we? It's um, the fact that he's absent from this whole episode makes me think that something's gone on to mean that he's uh, he's he's out of action. <laughs> so maybe yeah, maybe that's as good an explanation as any. Yeah, maybe he is doing heroin and he's just he's just laying in a laying in a clump on the floor somewhere this entire episode. Oh yeah, that's why I choose. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, he could have been an extra in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, another thing, and this is a, I think this is probably a British reference that I don't get. What is Ready Steady Cook? So, uh, I think you did get it. I think it was called like Ready Set Cook over there. I think it was because I've seen episodes of like an American Ready Steady Cook on the Food Network, but. I'm prepared to accept that it may not have been as big a deal over there as it was here. So it was a, like a tea time uh, game show that we used to get, and it was on for something 
preposterous like 25 years it was on for ages and the premise was that there were two teams and they each had like five pounds to spend on ingredients and then the contestant and a professional cook had to make a delicious dish out of whatever they had in their bag which was sometimes some really bizarre combinations of food and then at the end the audience would vote on who won and the two teams were the green peppers and the red tomatoes and Jez says that the uh, green peppers won as usual so it was it was a big thing for like students and slackers because it was on at about five o'clock in the afternoon and uh, oh. yeah so it's exactly the kind of show that Jeremy would have watched yeah that sounds exactly like the kind of show that Jeremy would watch yeah yeah who was your favorite team, the Red Tomatoes or the Green Peppers? Always like the Red Tomatoes because they actually just says that the uh, the Green Peppers won, but the Red Peppers, the Red Tomatoes actually always won, and so I I like to back the winning horse, and I always always enjoyed the <laughs> the Red Tomatoes more. But clearly, Jez is maybe he's a Green Peppers guy. I don't know. I I like how Mark just to get Jeremy off the phone, tells him there's chocolate hidden uh, underneath the egg crate. And yeah, like you would like, Good night. <laughs> yeah. So we get back to Apollo House, and Mark, in his bid to learn how to identify with Jeff, has bought a bunch of magazines, and he starts kind of trying to go through everything and, and learn how to be a man. I love this scene. And also, I really enjoyed seeing, again, all those magazines, because... That those magazines don't exist anymore, any of them. So it was it was lovely to see them again. I felt I felt like a girl of eighteen again, seeing all those magazines on his desk. Those magazines like FHM and I can't remember what there was another big one uh, that was like Serena. It was on their zoo and bazaar. Oh what there was a an, an American one that was similar to it whose name just completely escapes me right now. But a lot of those magazines started just offering a subscription for free. Mm, it was really sad. I used to work for um, an adult an adult magazine. That makes it sound far saucier than it was. But I used to work for, a, <laughs> for an adult magazine um, when I was in my early 20s. And like you say, it was at the start, it was a real sort of competitive market. And then they all just sort of started dying and offering their magazines for free. And it was a bit sad, really. Well, they were making they were making the money back on the ads, so yeah. that they were able to offer free, uh, free subscription because they just made the money back on the ads. Mm, yeah, yeah. But I I really enjoy this where he's like, footballer Darren Anderton, figure of ridicule ridicule due to repeated injuries, and he's got this little notebook on his desk and he's just writing down topics on it and i really enjoy it it's sort of like he's, he's learning how to be a human almost by <laughs> trying to make these little this little list of things to talk about in man chat i know and for some reason he thinks he thinks a turkish shepherd ate his own testicles <laughs> ignore tragic earthquake context that's so funny that's a great line and i love as well that he wants to talk about in man chat he wants to talk about the ferrari Testarossa, even though we know that Mark can't drive, he's clearly got no interest in cars, so that made me laugh as well. Oh, especially when he's like, fast car, and then he just crosses it out and he's like, don't need to write yeah, that down. Yeah, I need to write that, obviously. <laughs> and then, but then he just decides, fuck it, I'm just going to go straight into imbibing the culture, and he's, you know, flipping through FHM, he's flipping through Zoo, he's flipping through all these like... I mean, that is, a, that is such a Mark line, and... It just is, it completely encapsulates him as a character, I think, when he says that. 
right? And then and then Jez interrupts, and he's like, oh, what's with all the mags? And Mark just turns and looks at him, and he's like, well, if you can't have sex with the monkey, make friends with the organ grinder, which... <laughs> Is this a saying over there? Uh, no, so we say if you, so if you, for example, wanted to in a shop, to if you were having trouble with a sales assistant, and you wanted to speak to the manager, you would say, "Okay, I don't want to talk to the monkey. I want to talk to the organ grinder." I, I just thought this was such a random thing for him to pull out, and then <laughs> no, and it then does make I'm, sense. Yeah, yeah, I love Jeremy's face here, where he's just like, "Right, you didn't, did you?" <laughs> Try to have sex with a monkey. <laughs> I like that's where Jesse's mind goes straight away as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mark here basically explains to Jeremy that he's on his special mission where he's going to try to become friends with Jeff so that he can get close to Sophie and then st steal Sophie from Jeff. It's such a it's such a ridiculous plan as well. Like, uh, it just there's no way it can possibly work. We know there's no way it can possibly work. I'm sure Jez knows there's no way it can possibly work. Yeah, it's it's super funny. And then another thing that is funny in here is when when Mark goes, I'm hanging out with Jeff. And then Jeremy's first response is, Jeff? As in Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't believe it. It makes no sense to anyone. Yeah, like even Jeremy knows what a piece of shit Jeff is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy is bored. He's talking about how he's going to do that thing that the MP and Michael Hutchins did. And he he makes this motion where he's like choking himself with one hand while wanking motion, if you will, with his other hand. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just brilliant. And it just is is. It's marvelous, and I know I love that we immediately know exactly what he's talking about when he does it. In the episode, Mark makes a friend is the first time that that Jeremy brings up autoerotic asphyxiation, and it fucking cracks me up every time Jeremy brings it up because it's the kind of thing that he would do, but that Mark would just find like absolutely abhorrent. Yeah, definitely. It's such it's such a jazz sort of thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's. It's definitely something. Jez has definitely tried it. If he's he's saying he's thinking about trying it, well, at some point he would have tried it. I love that Mark's only concern is don't do it in here because the hook <laughs> isn't in the door all the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is such a, a Mark concern as well, isn't it? Right. Not oh, don't don't do it because you might end up like David Carradine, who was probably still <laughs> yeah, don't alive. don't die. Yeah, who's probably still alive at the time of this episode. Yeah, his his concern is don't die. It's don't rip the hook out of my door. Yeah. Homeowner's concern right there. Yeah. What did you think of Jeremy's outfit in this scene? It's peak 90s, isn't it? Even though it's 2004, he just looks like the forgotten member of Take That. Like, the shirt with the little cut-out letters and the bead necklace. And I think because the fact that Robert Webb's still got quite a lot of hair at this point as well. So he looks a bit sort of baby-faced and young. It's just, it's a ridiculous look. And I don't remember anyone looking like that in 2004 either. I'm pretty sure I had that same necklace, that like uh, big bead. <laughs> Everyone did. Every boy about my age did at that point And like thought it made them all ethnic and cool. I find pictures of me from 2002, 2003, and I have that fucking thing on in like every single picture. <laughs> my first boyfriend actually he uh he wore one all the time and that was like his signature thing and he got married recently and i was very pleased to see on facebook when i saw the photographs that he has stopped wearing the necklace so <laughs> thank god <laughs> wallet wallet chain was my big thing uh yeah that was like the grungier boys had those yeah was that the is that a thing that the chavs wear no not the chavs the the uh the chavs were like the peak a uh, complete opposite to the uh the grungers oh okay okay 
Yeah, the grunges were like the kind of more alternative ones. The chavs were like the kind of ones who went along with the, the mainstream. Oh, okay. The only thing I know about chavs is Lady Sovereign. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's definitely a chav. My my cousins from there were were fascinated when I actually knew what a chav was. Yeah, that's that's quite good knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Actually, where your cousins are from, that's um. They say that the term chav originated in Chatham in Kent, so not a million miles away. So they should be more familiar than anyone. The things you... The, is that something your geography teacher husband told you? <laughs> no, I lived in Hall's residence with a boy from Chatham and he was very proud stroke ashamed that he was from the town that popularised the expression of the chav. Another statement that Jeremy has in this scene is he talks about badger baiting. Is that... What is that slang for? I don't think it's slang for anything. I think he's actually talking about badger baiting, which is really weird because he says, doesn't he, he wants to do fun things like archery, badger baiting, whatever people do. I think that is meant to just show us that Jeremy doesn't really know what normal people do. Potentially, he's been hanging around with super hands for too long and he just <laughs> hasn't got a clue what normal people do for fun. It's not badger baiting, that's for sure. Badger baiting sounds like uh, some sort of horrible crime or something like that. I think it's just killing badgers. It's like, because they're a pest in this country so i mean you're not allowed i don't think you can just go out and like shoot a badger but definitely definitely like farmers and stuff do they do kill badgers like you kill rats and stuff so i think it's just like a thing that country folk do i don't know i live in a very built-up area but um yeah i think he just thinks that this is what normal people are doing is going around badger baiting i i like that he includes archery in there too because <laughs> yeah because archery I, I... is such a normal to do like. exactly <laughs> Fucking exactly what I was in the middle of London, in the middle of urban London, in a high-rise flat. That's what people were doing. (laughs) Oh man, we we later see Mark at the pool hall, and he's with Jeff. This is another scene that I think is funny because you see Mark, and he's just trying to be. It's almost the same as in in dance class where he's just trying to be super chill. It's not working, is it? No, no, it's it's not, and. He goes. He gets down to. Uh, Jeff is talking about how. Oh, you know what made you want to join the the pool league all of a sudden? And Mark's like, oh, misspent youth. You know, played pool all the time. Yeah, Mark really seems like the kind of guy who uh, played pool all the time, doesn't he? Like minor public school kind of like. Yeah, I bet he was playing pool all the time in the arcade. I love how when he says misspent youth and he just scratches like a <laughs> yeah, motherfucker yeah. like he just swings and misses the pool cue he starts talking about the idiotic turkish shepherd that chewed his own knackers off and jeff just looks at him like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> yeah he's really trying to shoehorn these these things that he learned from his uh his, his fact-finding mission into the conversation isn't he and he says that he talks about the fhm sex issue and how he really, really wants to bang Carmen Electra, which made me laugh because that's such oh, a God, I know. 14 years ago reference. Like, that's... Oh, God. <laughs> I I liked it. Yeah, I also like when he's like, Mark, the, he sinks the wrong ball, and he's like, Mark, the shark is in the house. And... He's just so excited that he's managed to get any ball into the, into the holes, and it doesn't matter to him that it's the wrong ball. He doesn't care. Yeah, I when I was in the military, I kind of had a similar experience to Mark here where everybody in my office was a sport fan of some kind and my real love was playing video games and 
I really didn't have a common ground to talk to anybody about. Mm -hmm. So for, I'd say about like six to seven months, I was kind of just kind of an island unto myself. Right. Where I had kind of these like surface things to talk about, but I didn't really have any like deep friendships with any of mm -hmm. my, my coworkers. So finally I was just like, okay, fuck it. I guess I've got to, I've got to just learn about sports. You yeah. know, I can't, there's no real, there's no real way around it i've just gotta i've gotta start watching football so that i can fucking excuse me uh, american football right um, yeah yeah that could be a confusing that could be confusing in between us here so american football <laughs> no i understand yeah when you talk about football you're talking about something quite different are you gonna get mad if i call it soccer <laughs> yeah i mean it's not soccer but i accept it i understand that you are american for your sins and that you will call it soccer so go on continue <laughs> so i just had to i just had to learn about football and i just got to the point where i really started to be able to connect to my coworkers, and then i was able to kind of relax a little bit whereas like mark is just desperately just trying to shoehorn any fucking thing he can to to talk to jeff yeah i mean i think that's such a common story so my husband um he'll kill me for revealing this in a recorded thing that's going on the internet but like he's the same he has really had no interest in sport but learned about football real football to talk to other other men and particularly now to talk to my dad so he'll he'll kind of bone up on the match of the day stuff so that he can say to my dad oh did you see the game you know and it's uh and it makes me wonder how many men have just learned about these things to talk to other men. Maybe you're all doing it. Maybe it's that's the big secret that no one's talking about. It honestly wouldn't shock me to to find out that that's that that's the case. Mm, I think it's more common than you think it is. And I had and I have friends that that play video games and stuff like that. And and over time, as I have become more comfortable in my own skin. Were you able to hear that just now? Yeah, hello, American cat. <laughs> I've locked my English cats in the kitchen, so they can't talk to you, but I hear you. Okay, sorry, hold on, let me, <laughs> give me a second here. All right. Goodbye, buddy. Goodbye. Okay, sorry about that. That's all right, what are they called? Uh... Well, the one that you just heard in the background, he's an all, he's an American short hair. His name is Moggett. Right. And uh, we have a, a, a long or a medium hair and his name is Bobby. Oh, they're nice names. Yeah. My wife wanted to name him Buddy, but right. we had a, but my friend has a cat named Buddy. Could could have got confusing. Fuck. I'm probably just going to end up leaving this. I'm, <laughs> I'm probably just going to end up leaving this part in. My right. friend has a cat named Buddy. And so she's like, oh, can we name him Buddy? And I was like, no. That name's already taken, like... That'd be weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we ended up going with Poppy instead. Uh, but my poor wife, I remember one time we went and watched the Super Bowl, and she was, my wife's just like, I do not want to watch the Super Bowl. And I was like, I'm sorry that you have to do this, but, like, this is something that's important to, to me and my family, so, like, you've just kind of got to, you know... Suck go it with it yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, and in her new in her new job she has a friend uh one of her co-workers is really into the walking dead and so she was never really into the walking dead mm. and then i came home one day and she was like marathoning all whatever four seasons at the time of walking dead and was like oh my god this show is so good <laughs> so <laughs> see that's just the sort of thing if my husband did that i'd just take the absolute piss out of him for uh trying to get in with his his friends at work the uh 
yeah, we I just I would, yeah, but that's the sweet. <laughs> It, that's one thing about this episode that there's really a lot in this episode about masculinity and what is it to be a man. There really is. It's um, and I hadn't even really considered it on the first watching, and it was only on watching it for this that I thought, oh my god, yeah, they're so. And actually, Mark and Jeremy are, in general, and in in as the years go on, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of chat about being a man, really, kind of under the surface, and what it means to be a man, and and how they express their masculinity and that is really prominent in this episode we see that we see that specifically in in jeremy i think more than mark in this episode but yeah there's a this this episode has kind of a interesting interesting discussions about masculinity in this episode yeah definitely and certainly we can talk about that more later maybe but when jeremy later on is with jeff it, it shines a light on what's really going on with Je- with Jeremy's masculinity as well. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll definitely the the deleted scene. We'll definitely discuss that mm, in depth. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, we'll we'll be getting there soon. But yeah, a little bit later, Jeff goes, "Oh, so got over got over Sophie," and and Mark's like, "Yep, the better man won." And and it kills him to say it, doesn't he? As well, it does. He, yeah. You can tell he hates having to say it. But he knows that this is what Jeff wants to hear. Yeah, and and then he's just like, mm, "This is fun, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah, but look on Jeff's face. I know Jeff looks so fucking smug in this scene. God, he's so punchable in this goddamn scene. He really is. He really is. Uh, but later on, Jeremy shows up at the pool hall. Apparently, Mark has enlisted him to help become friends with Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which Jeremy strikes me as the kind of person. Well, we see it in the scene how just casually he's he's like, "Oh, nice trainers," and just instantly starts, you know, uh, strikes up a conversation with Jeff, based on the fact that they're wearing the same shoes. Yeah, I mean that does prove, doesn't it, that Jeremy is a little bit better at being a human, even if he's not better at being a man. He is better than Mark at kind of just talking to people and and sort of appearing to be normal in everyday situations. I really enjoy here as well how Jeremy objects to being the fluffer. When he says, oh, yeah. I'm the fluffer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, so what? I'm the fluffer. So that's it. And Mark's like, no, no, you're not the fluffer. I just don't know. I'm not very good at talking with people. <laughs> A thing that I found weird in this scene was when Mark introduces Jeremy to Jeff, he says, oh, hi, Jeff. You remember my mate, Jeremy. At what point would Jeff had met Jeremy? that he would remember him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Jeremy was in his office, I guess. Definitely. No, he wasn't, was he? That's later. No, you're right. I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't know. That's unless they've kind of passed in town before. And But you're right. No, there's no time we know about when they've met and would remember each other. There was a deleted scene in Local Zero where, do you remember the part where uh, Mark and Jeff are spying on, or Mark and Jeremy are spying on Sophie and Jeff at the mini golf. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that where he's talking about what should we do with the nonsense all about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know if maybe that's what this is in reference to, but that's the only thing that I, that's the only time where I could think of that Jeff and, and Jeremy would have met prior to this episode. You're right. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. It doesn't make any sense for us as it was edited, does it? But 
I like this. Uh, I like this next little line from Mark where he's like, "Oh, so another round of sambucas uh, hit the club, or maybe we could go back to Sophie's." And I, in your notes, you said so transparent, and I would one hundred percent agree with you that. Yeah, it's just so obvious what he's trying to trying to drive at, and also love the idea of them getting around sambucas in that pub. I guess I could probably Google this, but what is a Sambuca? Oh, it's, it's like a shot. So I'm not actually sure what kind of alcohol it is. It tastes of aniseed, but you drink it like you drink like tequila shots. It's disgusting, but it'll get you drunk very quickly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it is uh, flavored with essential oils. I don't know. It's really gross. Like in where I come from and like the drinking culture I've been in, in my youth, you either... We're a tequila person or a Zambuca person, and nearly everyone's got a story about how one of those drinks made them so sick they could no longer stomach it. And Zambuca is <laughs> the drink that, like, I could just when I think of Zambuca, I just think of vomiting up Zambuca. So I won't be having a Zambuca. Thanks. That's yeah. When it, when I was going through my big drinking phase, it was Jägermeister for me. Oh, that's that shit is heinous. That that is horrible. That <laughs> I yeah, I have I have drunk Jägermeister, but it is disgusting i drank so many jaeger bombs just red bull and jaeger just holy shit oh we had a night about it was just when my daughter just before she was one so a couple of years ago when a friend who lives far away was back in town and him and my sister and i went out and jaeger bombs were involved and that was the last time i had them and i don't think i'll be going back for more like i just think of them and i think of oh the hangover i had that lasted for like four days no thanks oh yeah brutal but I like, uh, but here Jeff just Jeff I think sees through the pretty transparent attempt by Mark to go back to Sophie's, and he just goes, "Well, you know, I've got a couple of mates playing poker. You want to come play poker?" And this, my ears like instantly perked up when I when I heard this because I, I don't know about you, I used to be the biggest poker player like i was so into poker for several years yeah it was a big game that we played at university it was like when you had a lot of time in your hands and there were a lot of you all in one place yeah it was something that we did a lot right and you would have you would have been going to to school kind of right at the during the big poker boom of the mid of the mid 2000s so i can imagine that knowing how to play poker was probably an essential skill for uh, most university students yeah no absolutely i got my dad to teach me when i was home for christmas and then <laughs> and you know showed my skills and took people's money when i got back oh uh, this is mark mark plays poker like i know people that play poker exactly like mark and he's such way back in the first episode Jeremy calls Mark a tight-fisted cock muncher, and that's exactly how he's playing poker. He's got he's got a good hand. He's got uh, he's got trip kings. He's got a pretty strong hand, and he just is like, uh, well, should I bet? Should I fold? I don't know. Somebody might have a better hand than me. I'm just gonna fold. <laughs> Isn't that Mark's attitude to life, though? Like, it completely sums him up, doesn't it? That it's like, yeah, it's probably all right, but I don't want to take the risk. Right, and and Jeremy, of course, who doesn't even remotely have a <laughs> hand. All his, He's just excited because all of his cards are red. Yeah, they match. That's, that's the only thing that's going for that hand. Right, and um, I'm just going to go ahead and play the whole the whole scene, and we'll, I just want to play the scene because I, I love this fucking scene. 
This is it. I have entered the world of men. All I need is some beef jerky and somewhere to spit. So, what have I got? All the reds. That looks amazing. I'm hot. Like Pol Pot. Squeeze me. Now, too rich for my blood. I'll stay, friend. And I'll raise you. Oh yeah? Well I'll stay too, friend. And when the going gets tough, you need to roll out the big potatoes. May I? Uh, maybe. Let's eat. Come out. Red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Nice bluffing, man. Yeah. Hey, I'm really good at this without realising how. This is ideal. So what is it you normally play? Is it seven cards stood, Texas Hold'em? I just play the cards as they're dealt, my friend. <laughs> I love that. I just play the cards as they're dealt, my friend. Like, he's just such king shit at poker. <laughs> yeah, and it's so, like, that kind of the mysticism with which he says it. Like, you know, I can't share my... My secrets with you, my friend. He can't share them because he's got none. That's the truth of the matter. I don't know if this bothered you as much as it bothered me, but Jeremy has such horrible poker etiquette. Uh, and not just Jeremy, but the guy that he's in the hand with. They both have such horrible poker etiquette where they're like, I stay, my friend, and I bet more. I fucking hate when people string bet you. You need, you need to say raise, fold, stand, whatever. But you can't say, I stand, and then I raise. You can't you can't do that. Ooh. Yeah, I think it falls down in that we know that Jez has got no poker right there, but you would hope that the other guy might know a bit more what he's doing, but maybe they just maybe it was just that they didn't win no poker, but they wanted to include this because it seemed manly. Yeah, I like I like Jeremy's I like Jeremy's line where he's like, I'm really good at this without even realizing how. This is ideal. <laughs> That's ideal, yeah. <laughs> oh man. And then um <sighs> Yeah, then Mark Mark tries to again just kind of wheedle them into going over to Sophie's house and, and then Jeremy just is, or excuse me, Jeff is like, Oh, let's let's go get a drink in the kitchen and and then they they walk from the table into the kitchen, leaving kind of Mark by himself and uh that scene that part little part right there cracks me up where Mark is just like, Oh, everybody's left me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that Robert Webb really now is that kind of the popular kid at school likes me look like he's really pleased with himself, Jez, isn't he? That that Jeff likes him at this point. You can see that's not put on. He genuinely is happy that Jeff likes him. He feels like they're kind of going in the him and him and Jeff are kind of um going into the world of men. Oh my god, one other scene that I or one other little Jeremy line that I forgot in this is when he's like, This is it. I've entered the world of men. Yeah. All I need is beef jerky and somewhere to spit where yeah that's what men do that's the most manly things you can think of just like the the brown brogues were the craziest thing that mark could think of uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> beef jerky and somewhere to spit is the most masculine thing that jeremy can think of <laughs> uh lots of talk of masculinity in this episode yeah absolutely so we're we're back at jlb and and mark is he's happy that that him and Jeff kind of have a little bit of a friendship going because now he doesn't have to do all the hard stuff like ask, you know, hear about his memories, his dreams, and his reflections. <laughs> oh, what a surprise. 
you haven't got any because you're Gristlehead. I love Gristlehead. That is perfect and absolutely sums Jeff up as well. He is a Gristlehead and I just, but I wouldn't have put it like that. And I love that that's how Mark describes him. Mark in this scene, he just goes up to Sophie and he just is like, I'm just going to cut out the middlemen. I'm just going to engineer a way to spend time with her. And so he suggests that they do a, a, a charity event, you know, together. And I think that Sophie is the most forgiving person. We We talked a little bit about this earlier, but it's honestly surprising that she didn't try to have him fired for the email hacking and the, the fact that she talks to him even after he left that voicemail about hooking up with april it just oh, she's so overly nice to him it's true she's she's very polite in a way that i completely see and in a way that he's very english but maybe maybe she doesn't need to be that polite like you say he's a bit of a dickhead he could be sacked for some of the shit he's pulled you don't need to be this nice to him Sophie. no she doesn't no. but he suggests that uh, first, Sophie suggests that she could do a charity run and that Mark, and then she kind of pauses because she can't really think of anything for him to do, but then just says, charity history tour. <laughs> a dig or just reading. That's, yeah, that's a great line. Mark suggests swimming, maximum physical contact, potential of horseplay. <laughs> and then Sophie's just kind of like, fuck it, whatever, and, and walks off and Mark kind of yells out to her like, we'll brainstorm about it later. <laughs> He's so pathetic. There was a girl that I I don't really want to know if I even should say dated <laughs> because I bought her stuff, but I don't know that we ever were in a relationship. Does that make does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. You thought you were, but maybe she didn't say much. But she liked you buying her things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She definitely liked me buying her things, but as far as as far as liking me for me. I'm not really I'm not really sure if that ever if yeah. that ever happened but I remember I remember having similar conversations with her where I was just like oh okay you're you're going out with other people tonight uh you know if if you you want to do something later just you know just, just call me I'll I'll text me yeah I'll, Oh, text come on we hadn't invented te text messages <laughs> Yeah, I had one of those as well where it was like, I remember saying to him something about, and I was saying to someone that my boyfriend, that's you, by the way, and he just think, oh my God, why? So pathetic. So pathetic. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then uh, at this point, Jeremy walks in and, and Mark just kind of tells him that, you know, uh, you don't need to be here and you don't need to be friends with Jeff because... I'm, I'm working on my own plan. And Jeremy's just like, oh, no, I just plan on hanging out with Jeff. And and then he, he tells Mark, just a really good guy. He doesn't complain that the music's too loud in bars. He doesn't go all weird when it's his round and you ask for an, him for an extra bag of nuts. He's a real man. That's great. Do you, are you familiar with the round system? Do you have that in America? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty common. It's pretty common here. I don't know how else you do it, but I thought you might have another way. So that does make sense to you at least. Yeah, we even called the same thing, so... Oh, okay, so that's good. I'm sure we probably stole the, the word from you guys. <laughs> I'm sure we did. Um, I really like as well in this how when Jess turns up, Mark tries to bribe him off with a tenner to go to the arcade. That is really funny, I think. Again, going back to the chocolate and the egg tray, it's like how you'd bribe a child, and I think that, that shows the, the dynamic of their relationship. So this, this theory has been brought up on the JLB Survivors page before, and I don't know if you've seen this, so I just want to, like posit mm -hmm. this idea to you and, and see what you think about it so jeremy says 
Jeff's a really good guy. Everything that we ever see of Jeff is the exact opposite of that. But because most of the time we see Jeff through Mark's perspective, are we getting like a tainted view of Jeff through Mark's perspective? I think that, Je- that Jeff is a pillar. I don't think there's much getting away from the fact that he's like a bit of a gristlehead, like Mark says. But I do agree to a certain extent that because we're seeing it through Mark's eyes, we're only seeing the bad bits. Because when you think about it, there there must be some good sides to Jeff because Jeremy likes him, in this at least. And he seems to strike up a genuine rapport for, with him. He later is kind to Sophie with the, the baby, isn't he? And he is he gets another job later on as well with different people that have worked at JLB. So he can't be a complete cunt, can he? He can't just be pissing everyone off all the time in the way he pisses Mark off. Otherwise, he'd have no friends, no job, no girlfriend. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, people seem to, for whatever reason, kind of flock to Jeff throughout the course of the series. He's always popular, isn't he, with people? Yeah, of course, the only person, uh, and again, we're jumping really far ahead of ourselves, the only person that ever really seems to kind of uh, not have any sort of positive relationship with with Jeff is Dobby. But is that because Dobby is like Mark? or Probably. Yeah, she's, she's sort of like the male version of Mark in a lot of ways, isn't she? And maybe it is that Jeff is so unkind to Mark because he kind of focuses, like, like hones in on his weakness and maybe that's the same with Dobby he's he's undoubtedly a bully I think that that's that's fair to say he does bully Mark but maybe he doesn't bully everyone and therefore those people like him you know uh, that's not an uncommon thing for people to be friends with the bully so that they themselves don't get bullied exactly yeah there's you know there's like a ring of you know there's protection isn't there if you're friends with the bully so it would make sense that he would have especially like in an office environment do you think somebody bullies jeff and that the shit just rolls downhill so like he gets bullied like maybe he had maybe his dad is worse than mark's yeah probably he was bullied as a child in some way by somebody and that's made him the way he is almost certainly but then of course mark bullies oh again we're jumping ahead of ourselves but mark bullies gerard doesn't he so like you say the shit just rolls downhill someone's always got a little a person and you know for jeff that's mark clearly right no matter how unpopular you were in high school there was already always somebody who was less popular than you exactly so we we go to the charity bungee jump and i have you ever bungee jumped no no i haven't have you i have zero desire to fucking bu- ever bungee jump so no it doesn't look like i'm not australian that's not something i'm interested in doing my mom was always like i when i was a younger child i always wanted to bungee jump and my mom put this fear of god into me that the bungee cord was gonna snap because <laughs> i think it happened I, I think it like legitimately happened once yeah I, where the bungee cord where the bungee cord snapped i mean i'm sure it's probably happened more than once but this was kind of at the start of the the bungee jumping craze and the rope broke and my mom just put the fear of God of me that if I ever bungee jumped, the rope was going to break and fuck it. I just have no desire to bungee jump. Yeah. That stayed with you. That's like, um, skydiving. Like in theory, I quite like the idea of that, but there was a massive publicized news story here about a woman who a parachute just didn't deploy and she like smashed to the ground and every bone in her body broke. And obviously she died and I, can't even remember when that was but i remember it being on the news and i remember thinking well i won't be skydiving then so yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh that's 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 awesome mark and sophie are going to do like a tandem jump together so they're strapped together like really tight and and mark's just like 
oh well if i get a if i get a bonk on, yeah. it, bonk on i can yeah if i get a bonk on i can just tell her it's the it's the <laughs> um the clasp which is i like as well how he says that he prefers it to sex because there isn't any responsibility which uh made me laugh <laughs> Somehow I have all. Somehow I miss. How did I, how the hell did I miss that line? Yeah, he does say that. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch that again. Mm. But then, of course, with so many things in life, the actual act of it sounds good, but then you, then you start to kind of get into prepping to do said act and then that's when the regret washes over you and i think that that's exactly what happens here he thinks about it too hard doesn't he basically like he'd obviously not really been thinking about it properly at the beginning of the scene he says something like a sponsor bungee jump three days to organize but a lifetime to look back on and he's been thinking of it like oh we'll laugh about this he's not actually looked in the face the reality of jumping off a platform with a bit of elastic between him and the earth and then of course we have the the guy who's in charge of the of the bungee jump <laughs> the australian in charge yeah see it's funny that you can pick up accent di- accent differences enough to know that he's australian because it didn't sound he honestly didn't sound any different to me oh really well he's definitely australian which i knew from his accent but also because if there's bungee jumping there'll always be an australian involved that's just the law so that's how you know but he is definitely australian he starts calling he starts calling mark a humpty <laughs> yeah i wasn't familiar with that term were you uh no no i i always assumed it had something to do with like Humpty Dumpty had a big fall or fell off the wall. You know, I thought it was something to do with like Humpty Dumpty. Uh, yeah, I suppose it could do. Yeah, because I looked it up on Urban Dictionary and it just basically means like an idiot, which I kind of got. I understood that it meant idiot, but I'm not familiar with that. Maybe it is an Australian term. Maybe we need some Australians to let us know. Well, we do have quite the contingent from Melbourne that listens to this show. So maybe one of our Melbourne contingent can, uh, can tell us yeah that'd be good let us know if humpty is a is a slang term for a moron yeah yeah please melbourne contingent i'm counting on you <laughs> um then mark just starts like having full-on like panic attack here and he's talking about like oh i'm hungry i'm hungry <laughs> you can't you can't make me jump if i'm hungry like this is uh, this is bullshit that's such a random thing to come up with as well like who why say anything else say I don't know, say you're in pain, fake heart attack. Why would you say you were hungry? That's it's ridiculous. No one's gonna not let you jump because you're hungry, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if maybe Mark is just trying to think of you know, Jeremy is a good liar. Mark, I don't find is the best liar. Although he does No, he's an abysmal liar. He he does come up with some some pretty mediocre lies throughout the course of the series, but here I think he's just kind of grasping for the first thing that he can think of, which yeah. is I'm hungry. I love the hysteria in his voice as well when he says, I'm too bloody hungry to dump. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. No one's ever been that hungry that they would be panicking that much. Uh, He's like, I am genuinely really, really hungry. (laughs) And Let's go for lunch. Let's not jump. Let's just go for lunch. And there was a a TV show that was on over here. um, I think it was earlier this season called Hunted, where it was basically people trying to, that were, quote i'm finger air quoting right here criminals that were trying to escape from law enforcement oh yeah we we had something like that as well okay i was i was pretty sure that it was uh uh, i I was pretty sure that it had originated over there as well uh but one of the things they talked about on that show was when people say words like honestly like i honestly don't know or 
I genuinely feel or whatever, that they're pretty much lying consistently. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Because if you're telling the truth, you don't have to tell a person that you're being honest. No, you don't have to emphatically say you're telling the truth, do you? Oh, that's, yeah, that does make yeah, sense. Yeah, so the fact that he, you know, is, I'm genuinely really, really hungry, probably <laughs> is hungry, but not, you know, not like... You know, that hungry, not life-threateningly so. Yeah. <laughs> I like how Sophie keeps trying to, like, scoot closer to the edge, and Mark's just like, no! No, no! no. <laughs> I like as well how they're so close to each other as well, obviously, because they're struck together. But they never look each other in the eye. Like, she's kind of looking over his shoulder and looking like she literally looks so uncomfortable. And then back at the JLB office, Mark is just collecting the money for the charity bungee jump. And Sophie just looks so <laughs> fucking uncomfortable this entire scene. I was, when you think, though, about what Sophie becomes later on. I was surprised that she was so morally against taking the money for the, from the from not doing the jump. I did think that that was, you know, later on she becomes quite, she doesn't give a fuck, does she? And at this point she seems quite conscientious and does care that people are parting with their money when she's not done the jump. So that's quite, Sophie's quite different at this point. That was something that Lee and I talked about way back, way, way back in uh, Warring Factions about how Mark and Jeremy's characters will more or less kind of stay stay the same throughout the series, but, like, Sophie is the mm. one that changes the most throughout the course of the series. Yeah, Sophie becomes very different, doesn't she? Yeah, the Sophie of Season 1 would not recognize the Sophie of Season 9. No, definitely not. And like you say, Mark and Jeremy are always pretty much the same person. But, yeah, this this scene ends with with Sophie just pretty much... Um, you know, telling Mark that she really doesn't want to like see him or kind of like hang out with him because of Jeff. And... Talk to him, yeah. She's just she's quite blunt, isn't she? But then she has to be because he's not getting the hint. Yeah, she just says, "Listen, Mark, I I know you're doing this to spend time with me, and I appreciate it. I do, but the Jeff situation, I I just don't think we should see each other anymore. Sorry, Mark." And she is completely blunt with Mark here, and. I feel that that's the kind of thing that Mark needs, although he doesn't really know how to react to it because now he's just like, I've entered the abyss. I've brought a house in the abyss. I'm getting my post forwarded to me in the abyss. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't He doesn't kind of try and argue with her, does he? Or he just sort of accepts it and then feels really sad and thinks about the abyss. In the TV series Seinfeld, they talk about having hand in the relationship, like a hand up over the other person. He has no hand with Sophie. No, that's true. No, he's done nothing but act like a mental case and generally piss her off, has he, for as long as we've we've seen through his eyes at this point. So you're right, there's no, he's got no leg to stand on. Yeah, so... But he, he decides to engage in some self-harm. It's really weird, isn't it? It's funny, but it's really strange. I feel like that this is not the kind of joke that I should laugh at. Um, because I have met people that actually do do this kind of stuff. And it's it's horrific. But it is so goddamn funny in this scene where he's just like... Where he's just like sitting there and, and Jeremy just comes casually walking in. And he's like, all right, I'm off to go to... Um, to a five-a-side with Jeff. Hey, is it okay if I borrow a couple of Garfields? And then he just sees Mark cutting himself, and he's just like, Jesus Christ! And the way Mark's like, no, I'm not really self-harming, I'm just doing it for evidence. And it's like, the way he's got this weird detachment from the fact that he's 
fucking cutting his arm with a bit of razor blade. Oh god, and he and he's like, he's like, uh, I'm not, I'm not really cutting myself. And Jeremy's just like, Mark, <laughs> blood is coming out of your arm. Uh, the way he says that, it might be appealing because she might want to look after me as well. Like that's ever been a a case for a romantic relationship ever that they thought, oh yeah, carving oh his name god. into my arm, I better go out with him then. Oh god. And then and then Jeremy kinda like grabs the knife away from him and Mark's just like, <laughs> just just let me finish the S. That's all I, I just want to finish the S. And then Jeremy tries to like he's like, well what about if we do a poem? What if we, we write a poem for her? And um and Mark's just like Yeah. Yeah that's a great idea. Get a cup I'll catch the blood, and I'll write her a poem with the blood. He's, he's, certainly he's got faulty thinking on this, hasn't he? But I couldn't help but identify a little bit where, you know, where you are completely obsessed with somebody who's got zero interest in you, and you're just thinking of any, like, of course, in real life, you're not going to go through something like that, but this is like a heightened version of reality, but the things that you th- you think of, and you think, oh, maybe that would work, and, and I think Mark is just... You know, going that step further and doing these weird things. That is spot on what I did with <laughs> my quote unquote girlfriend in the in the military, where once it kind of became clear to me that she was not really interested in me and she was interested in another guy, I like legitimately kind of flew off the flew off the handle for a couple months where I just you know, it was and the problem was was that her dorm room was between my dorm room and the parking lot. Mm. And so I literally had to walk past her room every day. And, you know, I would contemplate like, well, maybe I'll just leave a note on her door telling her, you know, how much I care <laughs> about her. Uh, you know, maybe I'll just knock on her door and run away just so I can see her. Yeah. You know? I, I was trying to think of like anything that I could do to kind of, get her attention so i can definitely see where he's coming from thinking that self-harm might grab the attention but i can promise you from personal experience it is not the kind of attention you want yeah it's not it's not going to be the thing that gets you married in that cottage in dorset i don't think no 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 it wasn't (laughs) because she ended up marrying the guy that she she uh, again i'm using air quotes here broke up with me for and it was it was weird because like he I had never met and so I had like really kind of no quibbles with him. I mean it wasn't, you know, him that started anything, but it it took a couple years before her and I kind of patched everything up and you know, I I was able to kind of apologize to her, and, you know, sorry <laughs> I was so psychotic. I was, you know, I was in a weird place, yeah. <laughs> I was 23 and crazy, you know. We've, we've all been there and definitely I think Mark's experiences aren't unique here it's just the fact that he well like it is a heightened version of reality isn't it so we see him take it just a little bit further than most of us do yeah that's that is one thing that I think that's one thing that this show continue why this show continues to be so popular amongst people is that both characters while being kind of gener- generally terrible people have so many relatable problems that you can just... I think everybody has a little bit of Mark or, uh, Mark or Jeremy in them. Definitely. We're, at the end of the day, humans are pretty terrible, aren't they? You know, there's there's none of us that haven't got a little bit of terribleness in us. And I think the fact that that they express their thoughts through that voiceover and that we can kind of see into their thoughts is 
is nice for us. It's reassuring. It's that idea that not every that we're not the only ones that have these terrible thoughts. It's nice nice to see that you're not the only one with these terrible thoughts. <laughs> oh man, uh, I'm really the the more I'm talking about this episode. I'm kind of starting to like this episode a little bit more now that I'm, we're kind of talking through kind of some of the context of these episodes. And, yeah, yeah. And, and who knows if this context is actually supposed to be there or not. Uh, one thing Lee always jokes about when we do this is he's like, wow, we really analyzed that scene really in depth. But it's, I don't know if this context is supposed to be here, but it's relevant. So fuck it. But I'm an English teacher, and that's what we always say: is if you see the context, then it was meant to be there. That's that's. It doesn't matter if the writer meant it or not. Mm-hmm. You see it; it's there. You're the reader; it's completely legitimate. So it's fine for us to be absolutely reading way too much into this 28 minute sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm gonna have to. That's what I have to tell Lee. Lee next time he kind of interrupts when he's like, "Hey, we're going too depth into this." I'm gonna be like, "No, no, no." <laughs> Laura said. It is fine <laughs> if you see context to discuss yeah, the goddamn context. There's fucking context here. We're going to goddamn discuss it. Exactly. I'm glad my English teacher skills are coming in use somewhere outside the classroom because God knows I'm not sure the kids I teach appreciate them. So there you go. <laughs> we, we, they should just yeah. play the podcast for him and then you could say, this is a lesson about context and just play this episode for him. <laughs> yeah, I've already done the work. So you sit and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next JLB scene with Mark and Jeff fucking cr- really cracks me up. Um, this is the this is the other scene that I really like in this in this episode where um, Mark just kind of he just kind of I don't want to know I don't want to say man's up because again we're getting into masculinity here but he kind of just decides like fuck it I'm gonna go for broke and he just. He walks up to Jeff, who's just kind of minding his own business, and Mark is just like, there. A, a guy named Mike just happens to walk past um, Jeff and Mark at this point, and Mark just is like, hey, look at that Mike's arse. Quite a nice arse he's got for got him on uh, got on him there, wouldn't you say? And Jeff just kind of looks at Mark with this, what <laughs> the fuck? are you talking about <laughs> he does look at him like he's genuinely gone mad doesn't he at this point yeah and then mark just doubles down i for one certainly wouldn't mind and then he just is like <clears throat> like swallows really hard and he's like giving him one <laughs> it's brilliant it's the most unconvincing going gay i've ever seen in my life Oh uh, yeah, we'll we'll kind of play a little bit of it here because oh my fucking god, it is so funny. How's it going, Jeff? Not bad. You? Oh, not bad. Hey, uh, look look at that, Mike's ass. Quite a nice ass he's got on him there, wouldn't you say? You are. I for one certainly wouldn't mind giving him one. Are you trying to tell me you've gone gay? Yes. Well, there's no need to spread it around, but yes, those are the facts. Sexuality is a broad spectrum, and... And you've moved into the gay bit? Yep, that's right. I have gone somewhat, in fact, almost entirely gay. So, what? Colin from Human Resources, would you, uh, Would you suck him off? Yeah, well, now I've gone gay and everything, do you think it would be all right if I came over to see Sophie now and again? I don't know, ask her. I'm not a prison warder. What? 
She said... She said you'd said... Oh, that's fine by me. Well, that's great. That, that's great, Jeff. That, thanks a lot. No worries. Gay or not, there's no threat from you, pal. You could have your cock in her. You still wouldn't have the balls to fuck. See you later. <laughs> thanks. See you later, Jeff. I'm experiencing humiliation. Blood boiling, anger rising up, ready to explode, then falling back in on myself in the familiar shower of self-loathing. Mmm. Warm copies make everything better. Uh, fuck, this scene is so uncomfortable to watch. Like, <laughs> poor Mark. I'm experiencing humiliation, blood boiling, anger rising, ready to explode, then falling back in on myself. And <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of people who do that self-repression that just really end up hating themselves like Mark does. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Even the more outspoken or you know kind of less mark amongst us i think find ourselves doing that all the time so it's something everyone can identify with i think but don't you think this brings a really out a really unpleasant color in jeff like when you say is jeff really a wanker well this is this scene shows him up for the wanker he is doesn't it he's really horrible to mark here oh shit when he's like you could have your cock in her and you still wouldn't have the balls to fuck mm. yeah like that is that is that is fucking telling some major truth right there. Yeah, that is that's brutal in front of the photocopier. I think, and I think that we do see that for all that that maybe Mark is, you know, brings out the the, the worst in Jeff and stuff. That Jeff actually is a really horrible person. There is a theory to that where you know, but Mark is is pretty fucking horrible to him to Jeff too. That is uh, true. They do definitely bring out the worst in each other. Yeah, they're not. They're never going to see eye to eye, are they, on anything? Nope. But the thing that Mark does at the end of this where he consoles himself by rubbing his face on the warm photocopy, have you ever done that before? I like the feel of warm photocopies, and I don't. I could never get something off the photocopy without thinking, ah, uh, warm copies make it all better. <laughs> but I think that is as a result of Peep Show rather than just because warm copies are lovely. I haven't ever... I haven't ever white rub my face no. on them but i love the yeah, smell yeah they smell good and they feel nice yeah oh my god they have that fucking just amazing smell where it's that fresh photocopy smell like god damn oh and if you photocopy loads and loads of stuff like if i often do for classes and you've got like hundreds of the things and then you take them off to the classroom quickly they retain that heat for quite a long time so it's quite nice to just sort of flick through them every now and again <laughs> and feel the warmth i do do that sometimes so uh, i'm glad i'm I'm glad I'm not the only one that likes the the smell of, of fresh photocopies because that's kind of a weird thing to... Yeah, no, it's nice. I mean, we'll probably find out it's carcinogenic in years <laughs> to come, so don't sniff too deeply. Oh, Christ. That's probably that's probably going to be true. Like, when I'm, when I'm in my 50s or something like that, they're going to be like, and breaking news story, photocopiers found to cause every form of cancer <laughs> known to man, but yeah. only if you smell the pages. <laughs> Oh, shit, I was doing that all the time. I'm gonna die. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's gonna be terrible. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, so now we get, we go back to Sophie's flat, and again, Mark is fucking super creepy in this scene. Like, Sophie has made it fairly fucking clear that she wants nothing to do with Mark, but he's just really, like, pushing it. And so he brings jeremy over to jeff's apart or jeff and sophie's and 
Um, he's pretty much like, okay, Jeff, you and Jeremy are going to go hang out, and Sophie, you and I are going to cook for the men. It's just, it's grim, isn't it? And the look on Sophie's face, like, she wants nothing to do with any of that, does she? No, no, she, she says something like, mm. oh, uh, oh, uh, okay, uh, if you don't mind, Jeff. And Jeff is like, no, 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 I don't mind. It's 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 cool. It's cool. Uh, she's definitely looking at Jeff to get her out of that, isn't she? She wants Jeff to say, no, definitely not. And he completely lands her in it. Yeah, yeah, I know. She, she's looking for him to be the, you know, like the, that tells her what to do. And Jeff is just like, eh, no. Yeah, yeah. It gets him off the hook. It means that she's not going to have a go at him when he gets back from the pub. So next, next we get to the pub and we are also going to talk about the first deleted scene from this episode mm-hmm. um although i guess technically that second that second deleted scene with the jlb check could have maybe come before this but pro well no i guess not because anyways we'll get there jeff is talking about how men are programmed to do two things and two things only kill and knob and <laughs> Jeremy's got Jeff is talking about how oh back in the stone age you get up you kill an antelope and then Jeremy just goes and then knob the corpse and then Jeff is just like no uh, no. <laughs> no no Jez not at all Jez letting his mask slip there and looking like a total weirdo yeah yeah but I think that I think that this is similar to the the conversation that Jeremy has with Johnson in Mark makes a friend where he's talking about the news, but he doesn't really watch the news. So he's just kind of making shit up as he's going. Like he's trying to talk to, to Jeff about what it is to be a man, but then Jeremy just doesn't even really know. So he's just like, Oh, knob and kill. Okay. Kill. Yeah. He just wants, he just wants to say something, doesn't he? He just wants to join in. really. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Jeff points out that there's a couple of high street honeys, is that a is that a yeah. reference to something that I just don't get? Yeah, so in uh, like Zoo magazine, which Mark was reading earlier, I think it was Zoo or it was uh, there were two magazines at the time, Zoo and Nuts, and they were like really low brow men's magazines, and they were kind of like a really poor man's FHM. Did you get FHM over there? Yeah, we had FHM in Maxim. Yeah, so they were like a really poor man's FHM, and they were kind of like I don't know if you're familiar with the Sun newspaper. Which is like a Is that the one with the page three girls or whatever? That's right, yeah. It's a really lowbrow like newspaper that idiots read. And they were kind of like the magazine version of that. And they used to have like a roving reporter who would take pictures of girls on the high street and like attractive girls and they'd be called the high street honeys and they'd have like a page of the high street honeys so they were like ordinary girls that were sexy basically i had always just kind of assumed high street honeys was like maybe like a prostitute reference or something like that (laughs) no it's much less sinister than that they're just like common girls who you'd you know have a wank over basically they were like cheap wank fodder in these cheap magazines in America, you would have to have, like, you would probably have to have a release to actually, like, publish those pictures. Is that not is that not a thing over there where you, like, give permission to have your likeness used? Yeah, so the girls would be in on it. Like, they'd stop girls in the street and say, would you mind being on the high street hunt? They weren't just, like, sort of with a long lens spotting girls. That would be... Oh, okay, okay. I thought that that's what it was, where they were, like, you know, scoped out with like a super long lens, like taking just. No, no, they were they were consenting. It was fine. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, that's that's good. That's good. <laughs> Jeremy thinks that this is like the butchest thing ever, and he's like, "Ah, oh, uh, we'd be sitting in the corner rating the Alco pops." <laughs> and 
I'm just going to assume that you're going to explain Alcopops to me. Okay, so um, do you have, like, Bacardi Breezes in America? <laughs> yes, yes we do. Yeah, yeah, so it's like uh, Bacardi Breezes and Smirnoff Ice, do you have those that are like... Yeah, 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 they're, yeah. they're called... Uh... Oh, fuck, what do we call them? I guess wine coolers. I guess they're called like wine coolers over here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, that's what they are. Alcopops are like what you would call wine coolers. And they're beloved of teenage girls and not many other people. Like if Jez and Mark are drinking those in the pub, they shouldn't be because most mostly that's 14 year old girls drinking those here. <laughs> uh, God, that's so, that's so fucking funny, but. <laughs> Yeah, I never, I never knew what Alco Pops meant. So that's that's awesome that it's a wine cooler because I can't really see Mark drinking a wine cooler. Like, why are they rating <laughs> wine coolers? Like, they never drink wine coolers the entire season. No, we never see them having a Bacardi Breezer, do we? So I don't know. Maybe it's just to emphasize the unmanliness of them. Oh, that's that's probably a good point. Yeah. So in the deleted scene, at this point, um. Jeremy is kind of trying to like kind of deflect away from the women because um, he doesn't really want to cheat on Nancy. So he's kind of trying to de deflect away from the women. And Jeremy's just kind of like, oh, maybe it's our turn to go to the pool table. Although those guys and then Jeff just goes into fucking kill mode. They haven't jumped the fucking queue, have they? And And Jeremy, of course, at this point, attempting to be the voice of reason where he's like... Uh, it's okay, you know, maybe they're not from around here. I'll go point some more coins down. They probably don't understand the coin system. And Jeff's just like, everyone knows what the coins mean. And then just kind of leads Jeremy over there. Do you know what the coin system is? Uh, yes, yeah, I would be familiar with the coin system. Yeah, do you, is that not a thing where you are? No, no, that's definitely a thing where, where we are. That was one joke in the scene that just fucking cracked me up when, when Jeff is just like, everybody knows what the coins mean i was like yeah they do yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i mean jeff is in the jeff is in the right in the scene and but jeremy just all of a sudden he's just going he i think you said last week jeremy's plans go from not to 60 and and that's exactly what we get here because he's like oh my god we're a pair of men entering a combat situation i'm going to have to fight it's fight or flight flight no fight fight flight and he, he just is he just is like the guy that he's getting in the face of is probably what would you say like a foot taller than jeremy yeah easily and about half a foot wider as well he's much harder than jeremy jeff picked the small guy to to kind of do his stuff with and jeremy just went straight for the biggest dog in the yard i imagine that he probably watched one of those prison shows where they talk about to survive in prison, you find the biggest dog and you just yeah. beat the shit out of him to get respect. So Jeremy is having this internal conversation where he's like, don't think, just hit. Yeah. No, let's talk. Uh, And then he finally just in his, finally, a lot of this is all interior. He just looks, he just looks at this guy. He's like, all right, all right. You want some treatment? Let's do the huckle buck right now, right bloody here. And then Jeff is like, whoa, whoa. Settle down, like they're Polish. They they don't know about the coins. And Jeremy, in the in the nicest way, is like, "Oh, welcome to our kingdom. We do the coins here." I love it when he says, "Welcome to our kingdom." Any special like speaking really slowly for the foreign voice? That is brilliant. Oh God, 
I don't... Uh, can you see any reason why they would have cut this scene? Because I can't. No, it must have been for length, I would have thought. Certainly isn't for clarity, is it? Because it makes more sense of a later scene. So I think it's a shame they cut this out because it's really funny. Oh, I, I feel like they could have cut the bungee scene out entirely yeah definitely i agree with you that's a much weaker scene and then they could have just had uh sophie and mark talking about the fact that they didn't do the jump but you don't actually because i feel like that that's uh that they do that in some episodes where they talk about an event that happened but that you the audience didn't necessarily see yeah definitely it wouldn't have it wouldn't have it wouldn't have had any effect on the narrative really because that scene the next thing where we see them collecting the money but it's clear it didn't happen they could have just expanded that a little bit it would have been fine yeah you could have even had mark mark say something like i was genuinely really really hungry exactly yeah yeah and you would have gotten the same yeah you would have gotten the same thing from that entire scene and you would have had this part in which is way fucking funnier so i i'm glad jlb linked jlb survivors they're the great group I'm glad that they actually linked this video because I had I had no idea that these deleted scenes were were on YouTube until somebody linked them on JLB Survivor. Did you notice as well in this scene that they use a joke that gets used much later when Jeremy says about doing the hucklebuck right here, right now, Sarah, Mark's sister, uses that exact joke about in about four seasons' time. So they obviously thought that was really funny <laughs> and when it ended up on the cutting room floor thought Oh, okay. We'll use that later. But I noticed that that was a joke that got used in another series. I didn't. I didn't catch that. Do you even know what the Hucklebuck is? Does that even make any sense to you? I make a lot of assumptions about the jokes, like Quell being high German for spring. So I kind of connect the dots in my own mm. head to make it funny. But sometimes I don't actually know what the word means. So like, is Hucklebuck like Hucklebuck is an actual like word is a it was a dance craze i believe in that i'm sure it was a dance craze i'm gonna google that just to make sure i'm not making a complete twat of myself but let's have a look it was it's it was some sort of record stroke song stroke yeah it was a dance in the in 1981 apparently by a band called coast to coast it was a really silly <laughs> silly dance that that got done a lot when i was a kid and yeah that's what that's what he's saying that's what he's referring to oh well <laughs> god damn did not know that. I just assumed that it was, you know, some. Uh, I just assumed that it was some made-up word that Jeremy was, you know, meaning let's get down to business. Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. get down to business. Yeah. That scene is really good. I'm super bummed that they cut it. That they cut it out. Yeah, it's a shame. Shame. That was a that was a misstep. I think. Yeah, I'm going forward. I'm going to try to include conversations of deleted scenes and some of the deleted scenes. I feel like that I've watched so far have been really good where I'm just like, man, I can't believe that they cut that out. Uh, some of them, it's pretty obvious why they cut, mm. it, cut it out because it either doesn't really impact the narrative or. I tell you what you should talk about actually in a future one is, have you ever seen the extras from the series one DVD? I believe they are on YouTube, but I have not watched them. They're very funny. There's a really funny like video CV that Mark does that's like when he's trying to get another job and he's talking about all these accomplishments. It's really funny. Definitely have a look at those. I will definitely have to watch mm -hmm. those. Um, we go back to Sophie's flat and um, it just starts with Sophie. They're watching Das Boot and Sophie's like, how long is Das Boot <laughs> exactly? And Mark's just like, four and a half hours. Four and a half solid entertainment hours. <laughs> and I'm glad that we have a woman because I would like a woman's perspective on this. If... A guy that you were already a little leery about started 
watching a four and a half hour movie with you how would you feel in that situation yeah scared and uncomfortable it made me think of a time at uni actually where a guy who i was like so not into but was creepy as hell suggested that we start watching uh a film that i knew was really long and i was like oh this is so transparent and <laughs> no i don't want to sit in your room for three hours and watch this film and um and it's, a, it's such a boys film as well there's no way sophie wants to watch das boot no way Das Boot is a complete Mark movie, World War Two movie about German U-boats, and yeah, that is a complete Mark movie. That, yeah, she's not interested in that. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't see any anybody actually like wanting to watch this that wasn't a World War Two fanatic. I also thought as well, you know, that Sophie's flat was like way too nice for just Sophie to be living in on her own. It's like it's a really nice flat, isn't it? And I just thought, where she got the money to rent that flat on her own? didn't make any sense to me maybe i'm just looking at it from like a estate agent's perspective and we have just moved house but i was like jesus christ how much is she earning that she can live in that flat maybe maybe her parents helped her get the flat oh yeah they they actually when we meet them later on they they do look like they might be rich don't they that does make sense mark and sophie have really creepy like exchanges here where where mark's like um so if i was talking to jeff the other day and he seems he actually doesn't mind me being around here and and sophie's just like oh, i don't want to go into that now and and mark's like right but it's just and sophie's just like i just thought it'd be simpler for us to maintain our distance and then mark is like oh right because of feelings and she says like a teacher doesn't she like no not because of feelings she's really firm with him there yeah but then then mark starts trying to like make a move on her and he's like oh, you should be careful with a shirt like that because, you know, I am a man over here. What a fucking creepy thing to say. Yeah, that is like the line, the first line of the rapist. I, I thought that was really, really ick when he said that. Oh my God, it is, it makes my skin, it makes my skin crawl every time I hear that line. It just seems so out of character for Mark to say something like that. Yeah, he's got a really rapey flavor. I did not enjoy that. Oh my god. And I don't know if maybe he's trying, if he thinks like maybe that's a man thing to say. Yeah, I suspect he does. I suspect he thinks that that she's going to find that like, I don't know, sexy and masterful when actually it's just like cringe and gross. Oh yeah, it is so fucking creepy. Oh, she, I don't know if she doesn't hear him or if she just ignores it because then her next line is like, oh, are they on a submarine? <laughs> Yeah, I think she's trying to change the subject. But she doesn't have to try very hard to change the subject because Jeff comes home and he just like gives her a kiss and kind of pats her on the ass and then is like, come on, gorgeous, let's get you to bed. So my wife is like not like politically conservative, but like just kind of conservative like humor and stuff like that. My wife would be fucking mortified if I did something like that to her. I think this kind of proves, um, and I put this in my notes somewhere later, that I, I get the feeling that Jeff and Sophie's relationship is just entirely sexual. Like, they're probably having a great time in the sack, but not much else. And I think that maybe that's meant to emphasise that to us, that, like, yeah, they probably can't really get on day to day. There's not a lot else going on there, but their relationship is clearly very sexual at this point and i i agree with you that i can't really think of a single woman that would be into that but maybe if they're in that heady kind of lost place and sophie's just you know i don't know that's where she is in the relationship maybe she doesn't mind but i agree that it's kind mm -hmm. of yeah i don't know anyone that would go along with that really uh mark has this scene where he's like oh you're a bottler corgan you couldn't 
you couldn't bungee, you wouldn't lunge. Maybe I'm too nice. Maybe I should have tried, hey, baby, suck this. Yeah, like that would work as well. Like, yeah, he's Mark's ideas of, of how you lunge at a woman or get it on with a woman are just it's from the sublime to the ridiculous so he either can't do it and he's completely bottling it or he's thinking things like that he's just crazy oh god it's i love that when he's just like hey baby suck this <laughs> yeah i think in the history of sex that's probably i bet it, it, maybe never worked or worked once <laughs> i can't see that that's that's ever gonna work it works in pornos but not um, yeah exactly that's the that, but maybe you know Mark we know that Mark isn't very experienced maybe that's it maybe he's getting all of his <laughs> ideas about women from romantic comedies and pornos and there's nothing in between <laughs> Jeff all of a sudden just reappears naked or maybe with some pants on I, I don't know it seems like yeah gets, in a state of some sort of undress it, yeah. it seems like he gets undressed like super fucking fast you know yeah. <laughs> he's gone for like 30 seconds and he comes back out and he doesn't have like almost any clothes on any he asked mark to to get him some johnny's and this is the second time in this show where he's asked mark to help him get some condoms and it just it's so oh god it's so weird to me plus they have a pretty uh, it, like you said they have a pretty erotic relationship so i can't you know i don't know i assume that i mean i don't really think he needs condoms i just think that he wants to humiliate Mark. I can't see that there's not a Probably, in the house. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're definitely probably right there. I want to bring up semantics here, actually, for a second. When he says, oh, go ahead. When he sure. says Johnny's, do you understand what the A is? That an expression that's used in America? No, but I knew what I, I knew he was talking about condoms. Because I think that's a really because there's another episode. I think it might be the one with Valerie where Mark refers to condoms as Johnny's, and I that's really northern as a as a Londoner and as they're meant to be Londoners. I know that. Um, that Jeff is is a northerner, but that is not. We wouldn't say Johnny's. That's I think that's that's misjudged. I just wanted to say that, but that's that's not something we would say. So when when you say northerner, do you mean like northern England? Yeah, yeah. So oh, okay. uh, yeah, up north that they would say Johnny's up there, but definitely down south we wouldn't, and we wouldn't in London. So I can only assume that maybe the writers are northern and didn't understand that, or. I don't know. Or maybe we just don't see, say Johnny's here and I'm wrong and everywhere else in London they do, but I'm pretty sure they don't. See, this is why I fucking love doing this podcast with you because you bring up these things that I would have never thought about where the differences in uh, accent and dialect and, you know, for me, I just hear the accent and it's just kind of the same... One big accent. No, it's definitely... I just It just has jarred me and it's always jarred me from the, from the first time I saw it. And I think they do say Johnny's often in this, but I just don't think they would realistically. And I wonder if... Maybe I should do some research before I say these things, but I wonder if the writers are northern, and that's why it's written that way. I don't know. Because I, I think when Mark talks about old Meg, he calls her a Johnny too. Yeah, I think he does. I do think that Mark often refers to condoms as Johnnies, but I just literally have never met someone who wasn't northern who would call them that. It just is not, it's not a southern expression at all. But then when he actually goes to buy the condoms, this scene, god damn it, Mark, like <laughs> Jesus, it's so funny where he's like contemplating the different kinds and um you know the pros and cons of each <laughs> i love i love when he says about the yeah the featherlights don't want him to enjoy it too much and then the extra strongs are like maybe you might go on too long and it's just like oh mark like how are you in this situation why are you thinking these things put the condoms down and go home why are you doing this yeah just buy one at least and just you say fuck it like but you're you know what you are 100 percent right he should have just 
you know, been like, yeah, I'll, I'll go get you some some condoms, and then you know, just left and never came back. Yeah, it's it, it's ridiculous that he goes to buy them. Yeah, and finally he kind of he kind of settles on the colored ones because that'll make him look fairly ridiculous. I didn't even know, you know, that they sold like multi packs of colored condoms like that. I, I I was that really made me laugh, and I thought. Why would anyone buy those? That is, I don't think I've ever seen those in a chemist. The only time I've ever seen those have been at like really seedy gas stations. Yeah, I was going to say in a machine, in a in a dodgy pub. That's where you get those. But I've never seen a multi-pack <laughs> in a chemist. So there you go. When I was looking at your notes and I saw this scene that said chemist in it, I was like, chemist? What the fuck? And then when I looked in the actual script book, it does say chemist, and I was like, oh, we just call those drugstores here. <laughs> no, that's a chemist, yeah. that's. I mean, I would understand drugstore, but yeah, we would call it a chemist. It would have chemist on the sign outside. Oh, that's, that's funny. But we get Mark back at his house later that, I don't know, maybe probably later that night, and, and Jeremy's just like, so I was going to twat this geezer, but it turned out they were both... <laughs> he, said, he said twat again. Twat. Sorry. <laughs> Before we came on the air, Laura was making fun at me for the way I pronounced that word. Because <laughs> so Jeremy's like, "So I was going to twat this geezer, but it turned out they were both Polish." And and Mark's just like, "You're going to twat a geezer." And when he says when he says it, he says it in the most like condescending way possible. So like the thing that Jeremy's saying is just like completely fucking ridiculous. And he's like, "Oh, were you playing the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels video game?" <laughs> That's brilliant. Which I have seen that. I have seen that movie, so I, I definitely did get that. You understood that, but I think he's probably right. I think Lockstock is probably about as far as Jeremy's understanding of gangster culture. I don't think Jeremy's much of a gangster. Yeah, uh, but Mark and Mark and Jeremy continue talking about Jeremy's night, and Jeremy just is like, he stops himself. He's like, oh, I can't tell you what happened next, and Mark kind of presses him, and Jeremy's just like, okay, well, you've got a promise on your mom's life that you're not going to tell anybody. Jeff kind of, sort of, got off with this girl at the bar, and Mark just is, like, fucking elated to hear this information. He's thrilled, isn't he? The, look, the absolute look of elation on his face. He's brilliant. Oh, my God, I've hit the mother load. <laughs> I love, as well, when Jeremy says that you made a promise not to tell your mum's life, and, and Mark says, what's that even mean? What are you going to do? Kill my mum? <laughs> and then Jeremy's just like, well, well, you promised. You, you promised you wouldn't, you're not going to tell. And, and Mark's, of course, in his Mark way is like, well, Hitler promised not to invade Czechoslovakia, Jeremy. Welcome to the real world. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, and then back at back at JLB the next day, or maybe a day or two later, Mark just kind of walks up to Sophie, and and he's trying to play this off just like like he's he's walking up to the the like file aisle or whatever that fucking aisle is that Sophie always seems to be in, and he's like kind yeah. of jaunting and he's whistling and shit like that, and um, he's like, oh, brilliant. This is brilliant, but then as soon as he kind of rounds the corner, he acts a little like, <sighs> and um, he's just Mark's just like he's being so overly dramatic here. It is so it's so fucking funny. I actually think I'm just gonna go ahead and play the scene because I, I the scene is funny. Brilliant. This is brilliant. Oh, life is sweet. Hi there, Soph. Well, hey, Mark. Soph, listen. I've been turning this 
over and over in my head like a bloody horrible pancake. I just don't know what to do. What about? There's something I need to tell you, something I think I should tell you, but it's just so damn hard. Please don't say anything you're going to regret. I'm with Jeff now. That's the thing, though. That, that's what this horrible decision that I have to make relates to. Something about Jeff, something he's done that I'm not sure if I should tell you. But what are you talking about? Oh, no, now I've said too much, haven't I? Damn, damn these lips of mine. Mark, stop being weird and tell me what Jeff's done. Look, it's not for me to tell tales on a mate, but just ask him, all right? What happened in the pub? By the fruit machine, but with the woman and the lips. I can't say anything else. I won't. I hope I wasn't too subtle. That definitely wasn't too subtle. I just like when he's like, uh, I hope that wasn't too subtle. If you have to ask yourself if you were being too subtle, you... Yeah, you probably yeah, were That's the truth of the matter. I really, I really <laughs> fucking love that scene. And he's just like, oh, damn these lips. Damn these lips. <laughs> damn these <laughs> lips of mine. <laughs> so I think probably after this scene is where we would get the next de next deleted scene, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because uh, Mark and Jeff fall out at the end of it, don't they, in a way that makes sense for the next scene. Yeah, because outside of JLB, we've got Johnson, a man that I assume is Rod Shapiro and Mark. And they're holding up the fake check, the big like kind of publisher's clearinghouse check of money that was donated for the yeah. bungee jump. And Sophie walks by and, and Mark's like, hey, Sophie, come over here. And Sophie just doesn't really want to be in the picture because, you know, um, she's uncomfortable with everything involved in this. And, um, and then at that point, Jeff just kind of butts in and he's like, oh, she doesn't want to be in the picture because they didn't jump. And Johnson just looks fucking pissed. Like, he shoots Mark this. It's a, it's a shame it's gone, because it's a brilliant Johnson bit, actually. I think that Johnson's the best thing in this deleted scene, where the look on his face, like, it just thunder descends upon his face. Yeah, he just it? looks at Mark, and he's like, you didn't jump? <laughs> and Mark, again, trying to kind of save a little face here, is just like, well, that is outrageous, of course. And then he's like, remember Nixon, remember Aiken, it's the cover-up that screws you. And he's like, actually, I can't re recollect what happened on that day. <laughs> he gives like a politician's answer. I know, I love it. But Mar Johnson is like having none of that shit. And he's like, what are you trying to tell me, Mark? Oh, for God's sake, Mark. And then he, he starts just apologizing to Rod. And he's like, I'm terribly sorry about this. I had no idea. And then that's kind of the end of the scene. And then, of course, it ends kind of in a typical Mark fashion where he's yelling at Jeff as Jeff is walking away, where he's just like, oh, I hope you're really proud of yourself because the real loser isn't me. It's diabetes. <laughs> and I like when he's shouting, you're a diabetes lover after him. Like, that's the that's the biggest insult he can come up with is that he's a diabetes lover. Yeah. What What scene would you have cut to put this little, like, minute and a half set what minute and a half would you cut out to put this minute and a half in i don't know actually i think that i mean i think it's fine that it's gone but it is quite funny i think maybe i get yeah they could, could have cut off I, I kind of felt that exact same way that you did where i thought it was funny but i could totally understand why it was cut because it didn't really move the plot nothing really happened that we didn't already know in. No, I mean, everything else is quite necessary, I would say, to moving it along and, and 
you know, that isn't. Agreed, because the next scene we get, we're back at Apollo House, and Mark is trying to kind of pump some information from Jeremy. He's like, so has Jeff said anything about, and Jeremy just puts the hammer down. He's like, I've already said, I don't wish to talk, to converse with you any further. You're a promise breaker and a tom-tailed tit. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is very good. Oh, man. Uh, you had something in here about, you know, a uh, telltale tit, so... Yeah, I didn't... Tom-tailed tit is not an expression I understand. Or, no, I mean, obviously I understood it, but it's not an expression I'm familiar with. I can only I presume it's a colloquialism. I wouldn't call someone that, but... I would call someone a telltale tit. Uh, knowing Jeremy's character, I bet he's trying to actually say tall tail tit, but just yeah, uh, just fucked it up. Wrong. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, so the the doorbell rings and it's Sophie and and she's crying and and Mark is just like, oh, what what happened? Are you okay? And Sophie's just like, I hate him. I hate him. And Mark is trying to like comfort her but he's being like super creepy about it where he's like oh you know does he does he hit you and she's like no, no. Oh, sorry he says does he come at you with a stick and <laughs> and Sophie's like no it's nothing like that though and he's like but he does beat you <laughs> mentally and with his hands in his fists <laughs> is the way she just keeps saying like no, no no he doesn't like even in the midst of her hysteria she's just like what are you talking about oh my god this this little part with jeremy where the, his phone rings and he's just like you can you know instantly that it's jeff on the phone and he's like oh oh hi jeff do i know where sophie is and he looks he looks at mark and sophie and they shake their heads and he's like no no mate no idea right okay and then he's like <coughs> right so sorry about that yeah bye and then and then mark is like instantly suspicious why did you cough and he says doesn't he that he's flemmy i've got a cough i'm flemmy yeah. <laughs> I, I like that he's just like i'm flemmy and he's and then he starts trying to fake cough again where he's just like <coughs> 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 and then sh shortly thereafter um there's a knock at the door and the doorbell starts to ring and and mark is just like oh how coincidental jeremy how very coincidental <laughs> and and you can see can't you that jeff is genuinely really pissed off here he's really angry oh man he's like pounding on the door and i love when mark just starts trying to like um he starts like he shoves the broom handle through the little mail slot and he's like room him I'm... that is so weird that's up there with uh, sniffing the copies isn't it that's just such a weird reaction to decide to broom him through the letterbox i'm gonna broom you jeff i'm gonna <laughs> i'm giving you the broom and then sophie you know he's he's laughing hysterically and he's just like you lose jeff you lose how dangerous am i now and and then he's a bit he's got a bit maniacal hasn't oh he, god point? it's it's really fucking funny and then and then sophie's just like I'll let him in, Mark. And he's like, you don't need to. There's places you can go. A, a woman's <laughs> refuge. And she's like, no, just open the door and just let him in. And um, <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy, like as Jeff walks in, Jeremy's like, uh, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to. And then Jeff just gives Jeremy the finger. <laughs> I love too that Jeremy has this like voiceover where he's thinking of how he has to choose now between Jeff and Mark and he can't 
he can't do it, even though he wants to be able to, to screw Mark over and go with Jeff. He just can't do it. He hasn't got it in him to do it. Yeah, he's he's like, uh I could learn with I could I could learn to like football, soccer, <laughs> live with him, learn his ways, have a laugh, exist in the mainstream culture and yeah. Yeah, instead of lying like a freaking out weird puddle. That's the uh, but he just can't do it, can he? And he says, no. I can't do it, Jeff, I can't do it. And he just you sort of feel for him at that point that he wants to be a norm. He wants to be a normal person, but he can't he can't, <laughs> can't give up on that. And no. Yeah, so then Sophie and Jeff leave and then and then um, as they walk out, Jeremy's just like, great, my mate and your woman have gone off to just fuck each other. What are we going to do now? Sit in the tent in the living room and eat Derry Lee? Is that what you want? Because that's what's going to happen. And then <laughs> we get flagpole sit at the end. Uh, thanks to your video, I actually did learn what Derry Lee is, which is a, it's a cheese. So <laughs> It is. It's a cheese triangle, beloved of children. So, <laughs> do, your, do your kids eat Derry Lee? <laughs> Yeah, it's a perfect nursery food because you don't have to have any teeth to eat it. So it's it sounds about right that that would be the sort of thing that Mark and Jeremy would sit and eat together <laughs> in their tent. Yeah. Uh, well, so what are your thoughts? I, I feel like that we kind of had discussed this episode like fairly in depth, but what are kind of your closing thoughts on this episode? Um, I think that, yeah, Mark is really weird in this episode. Like, like you say, I find it, I do find it, better having talked about it than I did on an initial viewing and I had forgotten about it initially um but even though Mark is really odd and stalky and borderline a criminal in this episode I still identify with him I still think I kind of understand where he's coming from quite a lot of the time in this which is sad maybe but I don't think I'm alone in that I don't think that Peep Show would be as successful as it is if people didn't get where Mark is coming from here and um, I I think that what is really weird, and I wrote this in my notes, was that we kind of Mark is only interested in Sophie when she's unattainable, isn't 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 he? He's not when she becomes more of a real person to him later on. He doesn't like her very much, actually. It it's funny that you it's funny that you say that because. I actually think that that is probably way more common than than people think where you see a person and you're like, oh my gosh, this person is my ideal partner. Like, you know, they have the qualifications that I like. They are visually appealing to me. They're funny. And then as you start to kind of, you become very, you can almost become obsessive to a point and then as you start to know that person, you're like, oh, wow, this person chews with their mouth open all the time or, you know, something like that. Mm. It just ends up kind of, you start to kind of see the real them the more you get to know them. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think I've definitely had that experience, 100%. And I think that's what Mark is suffering from here. I think he idealizes Sophie. And that probably does come from the fact that he doesn't have much experience with women. And he idealises Sophie to the extent that he thinks that she's the answer to all of his problems, despite the fact that she's she's just a person and a person with, you know, bad judgment and flaws, as we find out as the series goes on. But I think what's really weird is where Sophie in all of this, because she doesn't seem to like Mark and it doesn't really make a lot of sense that she later on, you know, goes as far as she does with him. And she doesn't really seem to have anything in common with him at all and 
he must be able to see that. So it makes even less sense mm-hmm. that that he would be so obsessed with her or think that she's the answer to all his problems, really. And I don't want to I don't want to steal too too much from your notes because um, your notes were fantastic. But you you mentioned that the show fails the Bechdel test, which mm. for those that don't know the Bechdel t- uh, here I am mansplaining the Bechdel test. Um, <laughs> but the Bechdel test is do at any point do two women talk have a conversation about something that is not a man is that correct yeah that's right yeah do we ever see two women discuss something that isn't a man or something to do with a man yeah and you're you are 100 percent in this when you say that this show fails the bechdel test because outside of elena and gail Mm. i don't think you ever see two women talk to each other no, I don't think you do. I was thinking about this when I wrote that it fails the test. I thought, actually, when do you ever see two women talking to each other? They never talk to each other. And that's not any kind of... Um, it's not a, a negative judgment on the show, but it does make you think about it from a kind of... Not only from a feminist perspective, but from the perspective of that this is a show written by men... I don't think necessarily just for men because I really like it and I'm a woman and I know lots of women that like it. But actually, is that is Sophie underdeveloped in that sense that we never she doesn't she doesn't really make any sense as a character. And the more it goes on, the more you think about it, she doesn't really make any sense as a character at all. No, that's a that's an excellent point. Like Sophie just kind of ends up being what Sophie needs to be for the plot to progress. Yeah, exactly. For for Mark to to have the storylines that Mark goes on to have and she actually doesn't have we don't really see much personality of hers do we probably the place that we see most personality for her is in series three where she becomes quite different doesn't she and that's where that's really the only sort of series in which her personality is explored in any depth right yeah series three and series four are kind of the are kind of the Sophie shows where Sophie's Mm. characters really really become super fleshed out but I think it is a, and I hadn't ever really thought about this until you're until we were talking about it now. But I do think it's kind of unfortunate that we never get, a kind of a Sophie POV. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would like to know what she's thinking. I'd love to know what she's thinking. Even more so now, I've properly thought about it. That actually she is because she does propel so much of the action forward, not just for Mark, but for for, for Jeremy as well. As time goes on. I'd love to know what's going on in their heads. Mm-hmm. And and we both. I don't know if you watched it, but there's the. Um, I sent you the link for the. Yeah, I'd seen it before. Actually, it was on one of the DVDs, and I do remember oh, okay. watching I didn't it. Know I if that was a DVD. I didn't realize that was a yeah, DVD. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there there was a a little a thing for one of the DVDs apparently um, that is called Sophie's Peep Show, where you see where you see probably a couple episodes a couple scenes from a couple different episodes from her pov and i think actually when we review those particular episodes i'm going to make it a point to pull scenes from that so that we can kind Mm. of maybe get into sophie's head a little bit more in some of these i'd be very interested to see if you do manage to get into her head because actually she's she's quite unknowable i think throughout this series Mm -hmm. yeah everything that you know about sophie is just basically what mark what what mark knows about sophie yeah which isn't much really no no uh. no it is not 
Well, this has been another fantastic episode. I really have enjoyed uh, discussing, having these in-depth discussions with you about what it is to be a man in masculinity in this show. Me too. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that Lee will be, will be feeling better next week, but uh, I will keep you posted if we need you again. Um, the cover teacher is on standby, so I hope you feel better, Lee. But if not, let me know. I will. I will. Uh, what did you call? What did you call yourself just then? Cover teacher. Is that? Oh, okay. I bet, is that like a substitute teacher? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Because I actually think that you said that last week too, and I had made a uh, I had made a note to ask myself if that's you know what the hell is that? Yeah. yeah what the hell is that? And I just had forgotten. But so I'm thankful that you said it again. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't give you a very good send off last week. So do you have any of your own things that you want to promote, like your Twitter, your fucking incredible blog that had me in tears at some point? Uh, <laughs> um, there's not much on my blog, but yeah, uh, my blog is uh, oh I don't it's another fucking mother WordPress, but um, I I can send you a link that maybe you can put in the description. Sure. And I'm on Twitter at Hear Me Play Piano. So please do come and see my musings, mainly on the telly, I have to say. I talk a lot about the telly uh, and what's on the telly, but I do like Twitter, so I'm happy to talk to anyone on there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm Well, fuck, I'm not going to mention this. Well, I guess I can. Uh, you, thanks to Laura tweeting at Matt King, we got Matt King following us on, our, on the El Dude Brothers podcast Twitter feed, so... That like Lee and I were fucking giddy about that. Uh, I think I hope that he does have a listen. I hope that he um he manages to listen and uh, and has some you know thoughts of his own. That even if he just keeps them to himself, it'd be it'd be nice to know we'll, that we'll talk. That he knows he's been appreciated. We'll, we'll talk about that after we're done recording. Ooh, is that a tease for something? I don't know. <laughs> it's not a tease for anything, so don't get your it's hopes not, up, people. But, uh, no, but yeah, it would be cool. I hope he is listening. If he is, hello. We love you. Yes, Matt, I love you in a purely platonic way. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, one of my cats is called Superhand. So, you know, it was only your fabulous portrayal that made me name one of my cats Superhand. So there you go. All right. Well, that's that's it for Man Show. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This is the L Dude Brother signing off. Have a great day. Cheers. Bye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Alright, so even though he was feeling a little under the weather today, still managed to get Lee on here to do what we do best, which is talk about pro wrestling. Ooh, wrestling. Yeah. So, Lee, I know that the show is tomorrow. I can't even say the name because it makes me want to cringe every time. But uh, what do you think about the uh, upcoming show that has the uh, acronym GBOF? So what I think about it is that uh, obviously Vince McMahon has a special place in his heart for uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. And uh, I think the name is absolutely god-awful, but uh, it's looking like it's going to be a pretty good card. Um, a lot of big matches, uh, not to kind of spoil some of them because there's there's been a buildup on Raw coming into it. But basically, uh, last couple of weeks we've seen uh, Enzo and Cass break up, which, I, I mean, I'm just, it, it was heartbreaking. 
I don't know how else to describe it. Oh, man. So, despite the fact that I have not watched very much Raw, I have watched pieces here and there. Uh, I gotta tell you, Enzo's promo, what was it, last week? Where they did the fake the fake reunion? Was that uh, last week? Yeah, I believe was that so. two weeks ago? Uh, it wasn't the most recent one. It was one before that. Yeah, so it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, that Enzo promo where, you know, he was talking about, like, you're my brother, and, you know, until we until we win the tag titles, like, we gotta stay together until we win the tag titles. God damn, that was a good, that was a really, really good promo. And then Cass is just fucking selling of coming back into the ring and, like, hugging him and all that stuff. Just, like, god damn, that was so good, and... Man, when he clotheslined, when Cass clotheslined Enzo down the aisle, it's fucking heartbreaking. It really is, because you got to root for Enzo. I mean, he's like, he's everybody's little buddy. Like, yeah. he's just, and he's the best promo guy in the business right now, but he did a really good segment as well on the most recent Raw where he announced that he is going to be wrestling Cass at, uh, at the upcoming pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I did watch that promo. I did watch that promo as well. Um... Thankfully, despite not having watched Raw, WWE has been doing a really good job about putting a lot of the key segments on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching some of the key segments on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely, uh, it was a surprise when uh, he announced that match because, I mean, Enzo doesn't have a chance against Cass. I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> but Enzo's whole, Enzo, Enzo's whole thing is that he's small but scrappy. So. I mean, I think he's just going to be doing his thing where he's just going to be coming out there. He's going to be, you know, they say, they always talk about how tough he is. So, I mean, I imagine that he's just going to be, it's probably going to be like Nakamura and Ziggler should have been, where Cass just kind of beats him pillar to post, but Enzo just, excuse me, but Enzo just keeps getting up and fighting. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, Cass is seven feet tall and you can't teach that. Nope. You cannot teach that. But uh, in addition to that, you've got the Styles KO feud still going on. Um, well, we think it's, we're not really sure if it's still going on, um, which is, uh, you know, a SmackDown thing now. But uh, basically, you know, Kevin Owens, new face of America, has beaten AJ Styles a number of times over the past several weeks. And uh, at the last SmackDown, there was a uh, battle royal where. Uh, AJ Styles won to become the number one contender for the U.S. title. Come to find out that, what was it, yesterday? Yeah, yesterday at a house show in in, uh, New York. Yeah, so yesterday at a house show, apparently AJ Styles actually won the title from Kevin Owens, and they publicized it. Almost makes me wonder if, like, maybe KO is injured or something, or, you know, it could just be Vince McMahon's hard-on for Madison Square Garden. But Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, uh... The WWE has a reverence for MSG. They've had numerous WrestleManias there. MSG shows are should be treated differently than just kind of your rank-and-file house shows. So the fact that a title was changed at MSG doesn't really shock me. Um, I believe, let me consult Google, Diesel title win WWE. I believe that... Diesel won his title at MSG in a, uh, um, I believe that he, yeah, yeah, 
Diesel, Kevin Nash beat Bob Backlund mm-hmm. at a house show in like 12 seconds to win the title. But that, I mean, that makes a little bit more sense to me though, because that would have been so long ago that they weren't, you know, selling out arenas all over the country yet. I mean, what, yeah, what year was that? I mean, if it was back in the, I'm, I'm assuming in the 80s. No, it was like early 90s, maybe. Because, I mean, even the early days of Raw, it was all filmed in the same place. Yeah, at a good old ECW arena. Yeah, so... Um, or uh, not ECW arena, god damn it. Uh, I can't think of what that arena is called. Or that... Jesus, that's going <laughs> to... Some fierce Googling happening over there. Fuck, what is that goddamn arena called? Uh, oh, it was 94 when Diesel won the title. Because, yeah, that oh. would have been right right before... Uh, what is it? Uh, they went to WCW. Yeah. Um, Hammerstein Ballroom. That's where they used ah. to film. That's where they used to film Raw. So, I mean... And and that's fine, but as, Anyways, just a, as, a, as a fan, especially when they've been building the feud pretty well uh, over the past several weeks, I don't know. I kind of would like to see it, but uh, speculation is, uh, and if I was a betting man, I'd, I'd agree, is they're just trying to set up Styles and Nakamura for the title, uh, probably at SummerSlam or before then, maybe. Yeah, and I, I'm totally behind that match. I think they had a fantastic match two years ago at the January 4th New Japan show. Um, so I don't see why they wouldn't, if they, if the WWE gives them 30 minutes, I think they will have a hell of a match in 30 minutes. I agree. I agree. And, you know, we talked recently about, you know, guys like Styles and John Cena, you know, they only really have so many more like really, really good matches left in them, you know, really brutal, hard hitting matches. Cause you know, these guys are getting up there in age, but, uh, I really think that, uh, this would be one that would be worth pulling out all the stops for. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, again, it's another reason why I'm a little annoyed about this John Cena Rusev flag match or whatever the fuck it is at yeah. Battleground, because we've seen John Cena and Rusev plenty of times. I mean, they they fucking had a WrestleMania match where Rusev came down to the ring in a tank. Like, <laughs> I don't really need to see these two to fight again no i mean and i just personally i'm not a big fan of rusev at all and you know given that there was the styles um ko feud that was already going on it's kind of hoping that when he came back on the fourth he was going to call out the you know the new face of america oh that would have been amazing that would have been that would have been fucking and just, amazing and just to have plant, him call out ko yeah and just plant the flag in his fat canadian ass <laughs> so <laughs> But no, I mean I've I've gained a new respect for KO over the last couple of weeks. Like he's been really cutting some good promos, and uh, his, his whole feud has been pretty enjoyable. Especially since they brought Sami Zayn back into the mix pretty heavily, and uh, you know for a minute there it looked like Sami Zayn was going to beat the shit out of AJ Styles, but uh, it was a good match. Well, at about least the end of it was. About five years ago, I watched uh, my my friend Jody and I, who Jody is also a uh, wrestling fan. Uh, a few years ago, we uh, I ordered a. Uh, internet pay-per-view for a, a company called ring of honor and it was called border wars and it was their first border wars match and uh kevin kevin owens aka at the time kevin steen, steen. was in the main event and that was my first fucking time seeing a kevin steen match and god he was just it, i fell in love with him the second that i saw him 
Um, his whole gimmick at the time was that Jim Cornette, who was the, the Ring of Honor president, basically, it was kind of one of those... It was, it was almost similar to what the WWE did with Daniel Bryan, where they were like, oh, well, you can't really be the face of the company. It right. was basically Jim Cornette being like, Kevin Steen, you were a giant piece of shit, and I hate you, and you're never going to win the title. And then he got a title shot, and he won, and then it was him kind of tormenting Jim Cornette with Jim Cornette throwing bigger and bigger challenges at him until somebody finally beat him. Well, so and, fun. and speaking of other wrestling promotions, I don't know if you heard this yet, but uh, Dixie Carter is going to be on WWE Network. Kurt Angle. Um, oh, that's it. Oh, yeah. That that makes it even more interesting because, of course, that's he was really. In, that's really interesting. I'm I'm all of a sudden really I'm way more excited about watching that now. Yeah, I usually don't watch a lot of the you know just non wrestling stuff on WWE Network, but I will definitely be tuning in for that. Um, oh man, I love those twenty-four documentaries that they do. the The Seth Rollins one is really, really. The Rollins good. one is really good. I did see the that Finn one. Balor. The Finn Balor. Yeah. Oh god, the Finn Balor one is so good. And I, you know, I always like the WrestleMania Mondays and stuff like that. But uh, in addition oh, yeah. to, let's see, what else we got going on? We have uh, the rap battle between New Day and the Usos, which was fun. It went on a little bit too long. Um, you know, I'd rather see them actually, you know, wrestle. Yeah. And, and specifically, like, dethrone the Usos, because I just I don't really like the Usos at all. Um, but that being said, I think that SmackDown's tag team right now is probably a little bit better just due to the fact that it's not, oh, the Hardys versus Sheamus and Cesaro. And then next week we'll have Sheamus and Cesaro versus the Hardys. And then we'll have Sheamus versus Matt, Cesaro versus Jeff. <laughs> and, yeah, the, I... You and I talked about this before, but really what I think needs to happen is I think the entire tag division needs to go to SmackDown and the entire women's division needs to go to Raw or vice versa. You know, yeah. one, one of the two. Well, they've thoroughly destroyed the Raw women's division. I mean, it is abs- it's unwatchable at this point, in my opinion. Like, the SmackDown women's division is still pretty good. Uh, but, you know, you got all the top talent over there. You got Charlotte, Becky Lynch. You know, Carmella has become a great heel again. Um, you know, I, even though James Ellsworth is uh, banned for 30 days. <laughs> so, I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, Daniel Bryan came out, uh, I think it was last week, and just cut a promo on him because he interfered with money in the bank again. So uh, he fined him 10 grand, banned him from the, and he's like, well, I don't have fucking 10 grand. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how much uh, James Ellsworth gets paid, but I, I don't imagine it's probably much. Um, but uh, anyway, he got banned from all of WWE for 30 days, and if he interferes with anything in any way or even sets foot in an arena, he's going to strip Carmella of the contract. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, it's been uh, – it's it, the Raw women's divi- – or the SmackDown women's division has been a lot better. The Raw is just – it's not good. Bailey is uninteresting. You know, Alexa Bliss is still doing her thing. Uh, I mean – and I'm, plus, SmackDown has Naomi, and I fucking love Naomi. Oh, dude. I, I was glad. I was glad, by the way, that you said that um, that you told me to watch Naomi's entrance from SmackDown this week, because holy fuck, that glowing title is so <laughs> legit. Dude, it's awesome. And she brought it on to Talking Smack, too. It was just sitting there on the table, like, glowing and changing colors the whole time. It was pretty good. Um, but yeah, even Talking Smack has been good, because you've got, uh, what do you call it, uh, Kevin Owens has been on there twice. Um one time he, he got pretty red with Renee Young. But um, 
Another thing we saw uh, on SmackDown is Tanae Young. I don't know if you saw Tanae Young. No, I haven't. So Tyler Breeze decided to put on a dress and a blonde wig and interview Ty Ty Dillinger. And it was funny because, uh, first of all, I got to say, Breezango might be my favorite thing in WWE right now. Fashion files are just fucking great. I mean, there's nothing bad about it. Even like seeing the Ascension... Um, you know, sneakily take the Eddie Money tickets they were offered after, you know, saying, oh, we only listen to metal. Um, (laughs) Like, all that, like, they, those segments, I don't know who's writing them, but good on you, man, because that is funny. It's a a nice little distraction. But, uh, yeah, he interviewed Ty Dillinger, and at first, uh, Dillinger was like, is this really happening? And then he realized that Tyler Breeze was completely serious about it, so he's just kind of like, well, fuck it, I guess I'll indulge it. And uh, it ended up being kind of a funny little interview, but uh, we've, been, we've been talking a, a lot of, about a lot of the matches and and stuff that's been coming up. But I think that we need to circle back to Raw and talk about the main event of Great Balls of Fire. Oh, you said Samo- it. Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar because I don't know about you, I'm fucking really pumped about this match. I, I'm excited about it. I mean, the promos and stuff have been really good. Um, I mean, who knows? Like, it's hard to, to really tell what's going to happen. I have to assume that Brock is going to retain um, because of the rumors that uh, WrestleMania is going to be, uh, what, uh, Lesnar on Reigns? Yeah, but, I mean, there's there's still plenty of time to to get to that direction. Yeah, I mean, but, but Raw singles right now, it's pretty it's pretty full with good talent. So it just I, I feel like it would be hard to fit kind of a part-time guy in there, uh, especially now that John Cena is also going to be appearing on Raw. Yeah, that'll be fun. Cool. Sure. Well, and the thing that uh, bothers me about WWE fans, or at least some of them, is uh, you know they'll they'll shit all over AJ Styles and say, oh, you know, he's overrated, whatever. But it's like, okay, look, if you've only known of AJ Styles as a WWE wrestler, like I get why you'd think that, but the guy is one of the greatest ever. Oh, I mean, his, you know, he was a TNA original. He was in TNA for, you know, 10 years. And he had some incredible matches. Him, Samoa Joe, and, and uh, uh, Christopher Danielson had these series of three-way matches in TNA that were just amazing. Um, pretty much all of his New Japan, all of his singles New Japan matches were really, really good. Um, he... I, I will be honest, I don't think that AJ Styles has had that real blow-away WWE match. But well, it's I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I think that the Cena-Styles match at Royal Rumble was... Oh, shit. Thank you. Yes, you yes, are that fucking was, That was right. a fucking great yes. match. Yes, you are fucking right. That was a, f- like... I think I, I think we talked about this before where I said it was like a four-and-three-quarter star match yeah. or four-and-two... You know, Meltzer has too big of a hard-on for Japan, so... Uh, it's not even that he has a hard on for Japan. He just hates the WWE because they they have banned him from being backstage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and actually, uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Austin Aries does now that he has been released by WWE. I assume that he's probably gonna you know kind of schlep around the indie circuit for a while, but uh, he could end up back in New Japan. Uh, as far as I know, he's never been in New Japan. It would I- be a good. I read that he. I read that he had been briefly. It would be a good. It would. I mean, if he was in New Japan, it was before I started watching. 
but he uh I think Ares would be a great I, I think Ares would be a great fit for New Japan. He could pretty much be slotted right into the Super Junior division and and be awesome. Well, and that's the way to do it, you know, not to stick a guy like him that has, you know, amazing wrestling talent and stick him on 205 Live that, I mean, I, look, I know a lot of people like 205 Live and get excited when the Cruiserweights come on Raw. I just, I, that, that's my time to go take a shit or, you know, make some food or whatever. Um, like, I don't give one rat's ass about 205. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. And uh, also, one, one more thing I wanted to hit on is uh, the intercontinental scene right now, which I, I've been very much enjoying, even though it's kind of recycled material, is uh, Ambrose and The Miz kind of going back at it. Because I think that Ambrose is the perfect foil for The Miz. Yeah, I would agree. They they have great matches with each other. They have good chemistry with each other. I've been happy with, with pretty much how they've interacted. Yeah. No, I've, I've I've really enjoyed the Intercontinental and and the and uh, you know the Miz and Ambrose feud because I just they're the perfect direct opposites of each other for uh, for some pretty great promos. How was your boy Heath Slater's match the other night? Oh man, I was so bummed out. He lost. Um, he it looked like he was gonna win. Um, he had a great match. Uh, I mean, he's got kids, and I just you know you I I just I love it, and even. Uh, what was it? Rhino came out that was wearing. He was wearing a shirt that said like, you know, you know, he's Scott Kids or whatever. It was. It kind of looked like a vote for Pedro kind of shirt, like really poorly <laughs> ironed on letters. Like, I forget what exactly what it said, but it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I was I was bummed out about that. But uh, at the same time, you know, he Slater is Intercontinental Champion. Eh, no, um, you know, he's only really ever been in the tat or recently been in the tag team stuff so uh, I think he kind of needs to work his way up as a singles guy but uh, I, I really hope that Ambrose beats the shit out of The Miz uh, The Miz is a really easy guy to want to punch in the mouth um, and uh, you know Ambrose successfully was recruited to that uh, big baller brand because they gave him a free t-shirt <laughs> so uh, yeah no it's it's been an interesting little while in wrestling and after the uh, the uh, unmentionable pay-per-view uh, coming up as of this recording. It's going to be tomorrow night. Uh, then we got Battleground coming up in a couple weeks. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do at SummerSlam. Uh, I think it's going to be a th- – there's enough going on right now that even though uh, Raw and SmackDown have not been as good as they had been recently, uh, that might kind of be their uh, their spark that kind of wakes it back up. Yeah, this this time of year is fun. The build to SummerSlam is really fun. Um, and then pretty much after SummerSlam, you kind of you kind of have a lull period when football starts, and then pretty much come January, it's time for the road to WrestleMania to begin. And see, that's why we need the XFL back. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm sorry that uh, you know I haven't been on the uh, the main podcast for the last uh, couple of weeks. I'm glad that Laura's been around to uh, to fill that void. But uh, definitely looking forward to coming back next week with Jeremy's wedding. Yeah, yeah. Next week's episode is is really funny, and I'm looking forward to having you back next week. So yeah, I feel I, better, buddy. Yeah, gotta be honest. I'm I'm not uh, upset that I didn't get to talk about Man Show because uh, I I just I'm not a fan of that episode. But uh, I did I did like Jeremy's wedding. I like everything about Jeremy and Nancy. So yeah, Jeremy's Jeremy's wedding is is very funny, especially the last like few minutes of it. I fucking love that last few minutes. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, you know, thanks for listening to uh, the little wrestling roundup here. Uh, are we going to make this its own uh, episode here, or is it just going to be uh, tacked on? Uh, no, I'm just going to attach. I'm just going to attach this on to the end of um, the end of the episode. Woo. Two and a half hour mega episode. All right. <laughs> well, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. All right. This is the old dude brother signing off. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye.